So, Graham, you know how it's it's been a, a while since we've had an ad? Yeah, it's a shame. Goddamn ad services have uh, turned us down completely. Well, I actually found one um, that got sent to us back in, like, March that I never read on air. Um, so I think I'm going to go ahead and just do that one this week. Does that work? I mean, sure. At this point, why not? Okay. Let me give it a run. Today's episode of Atlanta Zone is brought to you by the Philadelphia Phillies. Winners of the 2019 MLB offseason. After signing the great Bryce Harper for 13 years and $330 million, along with Andrew McCutcheon and David Robertson, and then trading for JT Real Muto and Gene Segura, this loyal fan base is loud and proud here in March for the opening series against the juggernaut pitching tandem of Julio Tehran, Kyle Wright, and Bryce Wilson. Playoff tickets are already bought, because after all, all the Braves did was sign injury-prone Josh Donaldson and their ownership is too cheap to overpay for overrated veteran free agents like we do. Liberty Media's only concern is developing new apartments in the Battery and stashing away all the cash that those $12 liquor drinks bring in. Financial flexibility is for shitheads. Our starting rotation, anchored by Aaron Nola and Jake Arrieta and the future all-star Nick Pavetta, are going to dominate and will definitely stay healthy all year, and we won't need to sign that loser Dallas Keuchel who can only throw like 91 miles an hour. That isn't effective in today's baseball. We will win with fireballers who can't throw strikes or stay healthy. Come September, when the reigning Annalise champs limp into Citizens Bank Ballpark down 15 games, they are going to realize that baseball is won in the offseason. And with young, athletic, bald, sabermetric-based managers, not some old bald guy who focuses more on building a winning clubhouse culture than looking at the opposing pitcher's leverage index. Enjoy this terrible podcast by two dumb and incoherent Atlanta sports fans in your backwards hick hometown in the South. Brought to you by the Philadelphia Phillies. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we're Atlanta's own two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports. The Black Yes hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? For the 100th time, Graham, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. I'm glad nothing's changed in the last two years we've been doing this. No, I'm still just plugging along. Kind of thought that ad was the 100th episode. It should be. I think there's no way we can top it, and um, we want to thank the Philadelphia Phillies again for submitting that to us, and we apologize for uh, not reading it sooner. It's really aged well, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, uh, that is, I mean, off-season, that's where you win championships, Graham. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to even play the fucking game. Should we introduce our guests? Yes, let's introduce our guests. Uh, we have longtime uh, correspondents here that have contributed to the show over the years. We have uh, Joseph Bell. Atlanta United expert, uh, Falcons fan, Braves fan, Hawks fan. He loves them all. Uh, welcome, Joseph. Yeah, I've been enduring sports for a little bit, and uh, I hope uh, Atlanta will still shine through uh, with uh, the disappointment that the Falcons have done. Everything about that was awful. <laughs> yeah, that last game was rough. We also have a uh, longtime uh, super user and correspondent, Alexa Reese, who specializes in... Uh, Atlanta United and enjoys all Atlanta sports as well. Welcome. 
Hi. Thanks for having me on. So glad to have you get you both here for the centennial episode of Atlanta Zone. We were originally going to have like 10 people on here who have contributed over the years, but everyone else canceled except for you lovely folks. So thank you for uh, coming, and I think that really speaks to the dedication of our correspondents. Yeah. We're the true ones, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We're the hardcore fans. Yeah. So, um, everyone, we also have a two-microphone setup. This is high-tech. Uh, you know, we're actually like spread out. We feel like a little bit more legitimate enterprise here. So um, let's get started. Let's Until we get talking, anyways. Until we get talking, yeah. and, then, and then everything falls apart. Um, let's move on to the Atlanta Falcons, who had one of the worst season opening games ever. If you thought last year against the Eagles sucked, you, didn't, you haven't seen anything yet. A embarrassing loss, 28 to 12, to the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. Uh, all around, you know, listless performance by everyone on the team, with the exception of Grady Jarrett, Justin Hardy, and Russell Gage, I would say. Uh, everyone else was terrible. There was, there was no effort there, and uh, if there was, it didn't come through. And where are we in terms of the uh, concern level right now for the Falcons? Is it doom and gloom? Are we screwed? Are we overreacting? Are we forgetting that it was only three years ago the year we went to the Super Bowl and, and choked it away that we also looked like absolute trash against Tampa Bay and then turned it around. Where where are we on the spectrum right now, folks? I got to see something, Graham. Um, I mean, I was kind of doom and gloom after we went through the schedule last week. Yeah, we and, talked about how positive we were and then we saw the schedule. And we're like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's it's a tough schedule. And, I mean, these something about this team since 2016, they just don't have any fight in them, any heart. Like they, I mean, that should have been a 28 nothing game. Yeah, oh, those two know? touchdowns were garbage time touchdowns, and inexplicably Dan Quinn goes for two two-point conversions when it doesn't really matter at that point. Is that like a vendetta against Matt Bryant saying, hey, screw you, old man? We don't need you. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, man, but it's like the discipline with the way that game started with um, it was the big sack where it was just a guy missing an assignment. I think it was Jake Matthews, wasn't it? Yeah, he had an awful game, but yeah. I think a running back was maybe supposed to chip him there. Bottom line, we get a guy running wide open, and then the blocked punt, and it was just the worst way possible yeah, to start a, horrible, a game. Horrible three and out, and then I mean, my thing with Jake Matthews is, is that he made a lot of you know he looked pretty he's looked pretty darn good over the last couple of years, but he looked like he was a bullfighter out there doing a little away for the offensive lineman, just like here, come sack my hundred fifty million dollar quarterback. Thank you, sir. Yeah, man. I mean, to, to answer your question, I'm doom and gloom already. Doom and gloom already. Yeah, and I'm usually the positive one. But with the Eagles coming into the bends, yeah. And, I mean, the way their offense looked in that second half against the Redskins, I mean, they, it looks like Carson Wentz is back to his 2017 Carson Wentz it's ways. Like Deshaun Jackson has had a drink from the Fountain of Youth after spending two abysmal seasons in Tampa Bay as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's pretty good. Yeah. So. Um, where you at, Joseph? Uh, I am a wait-and-see right now. I need to see one or two more games. I know that we're generally pretty poor, at least these past couple seasons, with our like first our first season game. Um, uh, our offense looks anemic. Uh, I'm a little concerned about some of the dirt-cutter antics around our run-and-pass plays, when we're actually doing that stuff. Uh, it, we're still. I, I think we're going to run into the same problem with uh, with some of those later years with Cutter again. Well, it's just funny to me how Dirk Cutter so vaunted for being a vertical passing coordinator, and we're doing you know four or five yard passes um, 
seems like, you know, and it's, I don't know if it's one of those things where it's like the pressure is too bad and we can't let guys, you know, get downfield because Matt was just getting swarmed all day, or if that's just, like like you said, I mean, that was how Cutter was near the end of his tenure. It was just like these little dump-offs, and it's like, Jesus Christ, I mean, we got one of the, the better deep-throwing quarterbacks in the league, and we, we can't, uh, not that he did himself any favors either. I'm the biggest Matt Ryan apologist in the world, but he looked awful uh, last week, even though I know some of it's not his fault. It was still, you know, it was a poor showing, particularly that interception uh, he threw when he was trying to hit Luke Stocker, of all people, in the back of the end zone. Another thing I want to ask Dirk Cutter is, on that play, you have no Devontae Freeman, no Sanu, no Ridley, uh, no Julio, no Freeman. So what the hell are you doing? Well, as he said, they also didn't have their uh, cornerbacks out there, Ooh. their skilled players. So, you know, he thought you could catch him in a little... Uh, a little off guard, eh? Yeah, he looks like a genius if it works. My, my hot take is he forgot that he had the preseason uh, the preseason uh, depth chart in his sure. hands. So when he switched out, it just, just ended up being all the second strings. Right. <laughs> it was like, yeah, we'll put Hooper out there. It'll be fine. You know, he can lead the way. You know, your boy Sambrello was a tight end on that play. Jesus Christ, <laughs> uh, Alexa, as a, as a Ravens fan who enjoyed one of the, the best openers you guys have had in some time, that 59-10 slaughter of Miami, uh, I know you weren't watching the Falcons game as much as the Ravens game at the bar, but what, what, what are your takeaways uh, having watched this franchise uh, you know, wither and die over the last couple of years? I think that people shouldn't put too much stock into the first game. First games are difficult. And we got to see what happens this Sunday, primetime, Sunday night against the Eagles in your house. That, I think, is going to be a telling, more telling sign of what's going on. I mean, sometimes first game you're knocking off rust, you know, but you definitely need to see something over the next couple games or else. I mean, if you go in two, you could be in trouble. But I'm, I don't think people should be freaking out quite yet at 0-1. Playing against the Vikings, they're a good team. You went into their house, but... It, it was a little concerning, especially with, with Matt and the offense. But my feelings on Matt, which you know, is that I honestly don't think the Falcons are going to win anything with Matt. Oh! Oh, hot take. Woo. Wow. Do you think that's more of a, uh, a comment on Matt or the people that are surrounding him? I think both. I mean, Matt kind of hasn't really brought that much to the table, I thought, last year. And, I mean, he has a, he has a lot of good stats. He has a lot of yardage, but... I don't know in terms of just how he plays. I don't think that they're going to win anything with so, him at the helm. I think the Super Bowl is your chance, and that. So was it. the Ravens can win with Joe Flacco. Yep. But could the Ravens win with Matt Ryan? I think if Matt Ryan had been drafted by the Ravens, they would have won at least two Super Bowls. And with if that defense. Joe Flacco had yeah. our defense for the past however many years, yeah. he wouldn't have won. He would have been gone yeah. like six years and ago. Joe, yeah. when we won the Super Bowl, had just a crazy playoffs. Montana playoffs. Like if he wouldn't have had that, and we wouldn't got that lucky catch against Denver, like we should have lost that Denver game. Like if we would have lost that Denver game, yeah, yeah, we would never won anything with him. But it's just it's kind of like you're saying though with like the dump passes, and I know a lot of times he gets compared. Matt and and Flacco were they in the same draft class? Yeah. Yep. That's what, So they always got compared a lot, yep. right? And I kind of don't pay attention. I, I tried not to pay attention to all that, but I do see a lot of similarities with them, and I, I don't like seeing these dump-off passes, whether it's Cutter, whether it's him, because that reminds me a lot of Joe in the last couple of years. It it's like, like these five, six-yard BS little passes that aren't going to get you anywhere. Right. You need to be able to develop 
and go downfield or it's not going to do anything. You couldn't run. It just it reminded me a lot of the Ravens the last couple of years where we couldn't develop the run. We couldn't pass the ball, and it was just – and I see the same thing with him in Denver. I saw it on Sunday night – on mm-hmm. Monday night. He looked the same, and yeah. I was like, thank God we don't have – I mean, he's not that I, – I don't think Matt is anywhere near Flacco. So he's not as good as Flacco. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> he's not as bad as Flacco right now, but I kind of see him trending down. I could be very wrong. I hope that I'm wrong yeah. and that he has that moment of, all right, I'm going to, like, put this team on me and let's fucking go. Yeah, so, I would – But, like – that, that's what I want to see from him. And, sure. and I didn't like hearing him on Monday morning on 680 going, yeah, we just kind of really – and I know he's that kind of guy because he's kind of like Joe where he's quiet, but I, I didn't like hearing him be like, yeah, we just got to make sure that our practice shows up on the field on game day. And it's like, no, of course. What are you talking about? Like, be a little more upset. And I, I know Dan Quinn was a little fired up, which was nice, but – That was good to see Coach Coach Bro getting pissed off. Yeah, it, but it just concerns me when quarterbacks, even if they're quiet guys, don't get like – there's got to be a point when emotionally you're either going up to your guys and you're talking about plays or you're just you got to show some kind of emotion. Well, I think he saves that for the locker room and on the field. I think he's yeah. more of that kind of guy. I don't necessarily disagree with you saying that. I think the Super Bowl was our chance to do it. Um, with this group of people. I'm maybe. Not, may, maybe, and I could but, be wrong, but um, I think with this group. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I also I would, but I would disagree on, in the sense I still think Matt is a premier quarterback. I think... Um, you know, he almost threw for 5,000 yards last year, 35 touchdowns, 7 picks. So, I mean, I still think he's a great quarterback. Uh, but I also am concerned about, you know, it seems like year after year we get into the early parts of the season, and it's like everyone's hungover. And I don't know if it's a Super Bowl hangover or an actual hangover, but it's very frustrating when we have a veteran quarterback who's one of the best in the league. We have great players on both sides of the ball, and it just seems like every season – is a very lethargic start in the Dan Quinn era, with the exception of that first year when he went five and zero. But other than that, it just seems like we just, we just don't play well in the, in the early parts of the season, and we have to overcome that. And it's and it's quite frustrating when when that happens. And it seems like once again, Dan Quinn is a man who doesn't know how to make adjustments, whether as a coordinator or as a head coach. Um, Dalvin Cook slaughtered us running the football. Kirk Cousins only threw the damn thing ten times was held under 100 yards, but who really cares when Dalvin Cook rushed for 111 and two touchdowns? Um, you know, we gave up 172 yards on the ground. And it, it was the same attack. It was it was running to the edge where your boy Vic Beasley is, where Tack is, and they were just getting manhandled. And it was like, there was no reason for them to run up the gut because every time they would run it to the, uh, they were running on the outside and we, we couldn't stop it. And it was just, there was nothing done to contain that. And it's like, the defense was put in a lot of precarious positions, bad field position, Short fields to defend, but over and over again, it was like seeing the same damn thing. And it was just—I I just don't know why we can't make an adjustment. And if we didn't make an adjustment, it didn't work. This team's too good to keep having letting the same things happen to them again and again. But you know what? If it does keep happening like this, maybe they aren't. I was gonna say, are they? Are they too good? Maybe uh, I'm wrong. I hear we also switched to like a three-four scheme, <sighs> which I didn't know about until I hear Coach Bro talking about it after Week One. So, I mean, so you got Vic standing up again. I thought, like, the whole deal was he was just going to have his his hand well, in the... I, I saw him drop back into coverage a few yeah. times, for sure. Yeah, I thought I thought this year he was just going to be getting after the quarterback the whole time. Well, remember, Adam, Dan Quinn's defense is very much like the players can just do whatever the hell they want out there, and there's no supervision. I don't think that's correct at all. Well, that's sort of what he said, though. It's like, it's like go kill, go attack defense. You know, you sort of just go and do your thing. 
He said stuff like that before. Joseph, am I wrong? Or something similar, something akin to that. What's happening in the locker room, what's happening on press conferences are very different things. So yeah. I would say that, yeah, a 3-4 scheme would not work with the composition of our defense. We're too small. We're Did you think a 3-4 needs yeah. a beefy, beefy guy in the yeah. middle as a defensive tackle? Mm-hmm. Grady Jarrett's awesome, and he had a very good game, but he isn't a beefy guy. Yeah. That will clog up the middle. He needs the beefy guy to help him and free him up to make plays. And somehow he was making plays by himself. I mean, when they did go up the middle, he was shutting him down. He got a sack. He looked good. He looked like himself. Vic Beasley missed an easy sack against Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that was uh, disgusting to watch. Yeah, he thought he was just going to throw it away, so he stopped. And then he just was just pump faking, and then he and just sort some, of fell some, into him. I can't remember who. Someone was saying a lot of that comes from the NFL rules now where you can't, like, you're going to get penalized so quickly for oh, hitting sure. a quarterback, so he didn't want to lay him out. But I think we'd be okay with Vic getting a penalty for being too rough. I'd be fine with that. Light a fire under our asses, for God's sake, at this point. Like, hit a quarterback late. Do something. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was it was just a very bizarre game. Julio Jones was held in check. Calvin Ridley held in check. Devonte. Devonte really held in check. Hell, he he. You know, once again, he fumbles the ball in a key situation. We we turned the ball over four times. If you want to count the 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 punt, the blocked punt as a as a turnover. Um. Can't win, obviously. In Minnesota, when you or anywhere, you can't win against the freaking Miami Dolphins. If you're gonna turn the ball over. Oh no, it's for a running back that I saw go on like uh, what's the Stephen A. Smith show? Is that first take still or yeah, yeah. first take? See him going on first take during the Super Bowl, talk about how he's the best running back in the league. Ridiculous. And then to come out his first game back, get 36 yards and fumble when like we're actually about to get. If we make it 14-7, who knows what happens in that game? Um, yeah, he's he's on my shit list, man. Yeah, he only had 19 yards rushing. Really? Yeah, he was awesome. Oh, maybe he had, like, well, yeah, maybe a had 36 all-purpose, all-purpose yards. Yeah. So what, a, what a beast. Yeah, Ito was actually running with a little heart. Ito averaged five over five yards per carry, six carries, 31 yards. You didn't have a lot of opportunity to run the ball in the game because you were down the whole time by double digits. But there was one uh, drive where he came on the field and looked really good. And I was like, you know what? And it was, it was, I think it was the drive after Devontae fumbled. And he looked really good. Ito did. I mean, I'm finally giving Ito more snaps. I mean, I, I, I think Devontae is on, on a short list. He was once again running headfirst into people, very aggressive, very reckless, and that also, you know, that forced the fumble. When he was doing that, he, like, literally, those two guys were converging on him. He was like, come on, and just, like, rams his head into both of them, and he loses the ball. It's just stupid, stupid play that, once again, once again just shoots us in the foot. I, I just, I don't know. I, I was re-listening to our podcast from last week, and you – Grab it out here. We're having that same conversation about how Devonte runs just haphazardly and needs to run different. And I was listening to us. I was like, "Man, we sound like a couple idiots. Like we like we know what the hell we're doing, you know? Like, of course he gets on the field. He's going to run the way he's run his whole life. Like, but people are capable of making adjustments. We talked about guys who've done that when they're late, get later in their careers. You know, work done. You know, we always go back to him as being a guy who made adjustments. There's a reason he's you know got all his mental faculties." Because he went down. He was able to evade tacklers. He was able to get out of bounds. He wasn't just putting his head down. But running like that was kind of what made Devontae Freeman who he was when he was right. good. So it's hard to get away from what made you successful. But right. if, you're that, if you are the best running back in the league, Devontae, you should be able to adjust your game. Elevate your game or you will be bypassed. You will become a relic of a bygone era that was only three years ago. Yeah. There are some running backs that can't really adjust their play, though, right? So like, yeah. even like a like a TJ Duckett doesn't adjust his play and he goes out of the league. Right, but he's such a big guy. Yeah. He's, he's, he's very 
Like I feel like Devontae has the talent to be a multifaceted back. Yeah, he is. He is agility, but not like it, I mean, he, he does have agility, so yeah, he can adjust his play kind of like Warwick did. But at the very least, he could yeah. stop leading with his head. Yeah, that's that's one of the big things I ask for. Stop leading with your head. It's just it doesn't do you any favors, and you're fumbling the ball now with me doing it. It's uh, it's awful. Austin Hooper on the positive side had a good game. Nine catchers, 77 yards. He looked pretty good. Your boy uh, Tyler Davidson, the D-tackle from the Saints, he had a good game. Yeah. yeah. He, he led the team in tackles. Incorrect. It was actually Devondre Campbell, but he uh, led the defensive line. How many tackles do you have? He had six. Campbell had eight. Yeah. Yeah. We had a tackle for loss. Close enough. He looked good. Um, Grady, like they mentioned, had a good game. And everyone else, like Deion Jones only had one really big play. Uh, Ricardo and... Um, Keanu, Keanu was, you know, once again trying to, ta- you know, try to knock people out. I think he got a he got a penalty. Got his weekly fine. Yeah, yeah. got his weekly fine. Of course, is twenty thousand dollars donation to the NFL or whatever it's going to be. Um, one guy who looked a little overmatched, even though there's very limited passing, as I mentioned, was Isaiah Oliver. Um, gave a touchdown to Adam Thielen. I, um, the good news, I guess, from that is, uh, you know, I don't think Trufant was really targeted. Trufant might not be targeted all year if Oliver's playing yeah. like shit. I mean, I think looking at next week, you're looking at um, Deshaun Jackson or Alshon Jeffrey. One of those guys is going to go up against uh, against Oliver. He's he's going to get targeted like crazy. So, uh, yeah, I don't know which one of those guys I want. Need help over the top with Deshaun Jackson. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it was not it was not pretty. It was four turnovers, man. Especially like in the red zone. It just sucks because the Falcons just affect our mental health so much more than any Atlanta team. I was so excited going to that bar Sunday. Beautiful day. We got the Braves on. We got Falcons. We had 18 TVs to watch every single game. And just there are all those great Falcons fans around us taking shots. Energy was phenomenal. And then they started playing, and it just went to shit. Yeah, everyone just got really quiet. Went from happy drinking to angry drinking yeah, in like remember, five minutes. All these people took a shot at the bar when the kickoff happened, and then the first play, Matt Ryan sacked, and it's like, oh. And then it just went quiet. And then Adam's, and then and then about halfway through the, the the game, Adam's like, well, time to get drunk, boys. <laughs> and then what did the woman say again? She like turned around, she's like, yeah! <laughs> she said it was going to be a rough Monday. Rough yeah. Monday, yeah, there you go. And it certainly was for, for all involved. Um... Yeah. What, do you, what do you think about the upcoming game with the Phillies? With the Phillies? Uh, not the Phillies, sorry. The Eagles. With the, the Eagles? Eagles? I don't know. Um, I know there's going to be a lot of Eagles fans there, which pisses me off. I'd like to go, but I'm not going to pay $200 to sit in the upper deck on Sunday Night Football. Sorry. You can get in for about 80 Well, yeah. I'm not going to pay $80 to do that either. I don't no. know. I, I don't think she asked you. Are you going to the game? Oh, there? <laughs> well, I'm saying I don't feel great because I feel like one, we're not going to have a home field advantage because we have PSLs and no one wants to come to the game. Two, the Eagles are a much better coach football team than ours. Doug Peterson has proven himself to be a Super Bowl winning head coach um, who gets the most out of his players. As you mentioned, Adam Carson Woods looks great. Um, so if we play like we did last week, we're going to get slaughtered. I think I hope to God we come to the table with a lot, hell of a lot more effort than. We did last week, but I wouldn't be surprised if we lost. I don't, I don't feel very confident heading into this game. I'm not in the doom and gloom tone yet, like it sounds like I am. I still think we have the talent to turn around, but I also, uh, you know, the offensive line I think is screwed. Absolutely screwed. 
that we haven't mentioned yet, Chris Lindstrom is out for eight weeks, fractured foot. Um, but the fortunate thing about that is, A, McGarry seems to be almost full strength and played pretty well his first game. Yeah, he did all right. And we signed Jamon Brown right. for this purpose. So he can hop in. So he was not even on the active roster last year. Now he's going to slide in. Or last week. Last week. Yeah. Um, so... But we need these to be the five people that are playing for the rest of the year. We can't keep subbing people in left I and right. I hope Lindstrom comes back to play. He, he, he's supposed to be back like week nine, maybe. Yeah. But yes, for the next eight weeks, I, I really hope No one so. else can go down. No. No one else can go down, and I don't want to see Ty Sambrello play ever again. You're going to see Ty Sambrello every damn week, Graham. Oh, why? Because he's our backup well, tight end. Yeah. Oh. McGarry's still not all the way up there, but yeah, I, I, I think he, he's, he should be in a lot more lot better game shape now than he was the past couple weeks yeah i i think um you know big key is once again can we protect matt ryan that's a vaunted philadelphia eagles defense that damn fletcher cox coming up the middle to wreck shot you know we know this this personnel well enough at this point i i hope we have some sort of strategy to limit the uh limit the pass rush uh, apparently the Falcons offensive lineman met as a group at Flowery Branch on Monday and started and just watched game film. Did they, not, did they not do that every week? Well, normally they don't do that on a Monday. Usually, you know, you have Monday off. I thought Monday was film day and then Tuesday's the next week. Well, I don't know. In the article, the guy mentioned that usually they don't do that on a Monday. I think they should do that every Monday. Well, maybe this will be the start of a new trend. Right, but good. apparently they were, Jake Matthews was really beating himself up saying, I suck. Why, why did this happen? We can't do this again. Alex Mack was trying to be the leader and saying, you know, this is a bunch of bullshit. Like, like, let's, like, they were getting, seeming, like, pretty fired up in the, when they were watching film. But, you know, it just seems like these teams, all these teams can make adjustments. Like, we saw that in the game. That it was like, you know, this guy shifting around the line, shifting linebackers, and, we're, and the offensive line just doesn't know what to do. So it's like, I don't know why we can't make adjustments. The Falcons, going back to the Dan Reeves era and beyond, in our entirety of our franchise, never, ever make adjustments. Uh... Oh, back to the. I don't think that's. That's probably not true either. But it just but. seems like we just do the same thing, and people out scheme us all the time, every freaking week. If we get to zero and three, do we fire Dan yes. Quinn and then bring in some young, bring fiery Sean coach, Sean McVay? Not him specifically, but a type like Sean McVay. Let's grab some guy working with ESPN right now that knows a lot about football. Booger McFarlane. Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's there. bring Booger McFarlane He in. can ride around in his Boogermobile yeah. and yell at people. I'm totally fine with that. Even though I know he put that away. He actually is in the booth now playing football, which is good I, for him. Yeah. Yeah, that Boogermobile thing was, was, was a joke. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 0-3 is all I give Dan Quinn this year. Yeah. I think if that happens, we know all we need to know about Dan Quinn. I know he was saying, oh, I'm pissed off and we can't do this anymore. And as Alexa mentioned, yeah, that's nice to see. But you shouldn't be having that conversation anymore. Show up ready to play. Exactly. The Vikings sure as hell did. Yeah. Why can't we? Yeah. You guys have any other thoughts about our uh, our precious Atlanta Falcons? There's nothing else to say. There's. What do you think, Joseph? We're going to lose on Sunday. So, here's how I see it: we're either going to go eight and eight, or we're going to have a losing season. That's probably. Oh. That's probably <laughs> where I'm at right now. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to make the playoffs this year, I don't think. Not with the offensive line where we're at. Uh, I don't see us improving so drastically within these next few weeks that we're going to make, uh, that we're not going to allow the same amount of sacks that we did last year. 
uh, that we're not going to allow. The, the amount of hurries that he had in the Vikings game was crazy. It was like a third of his dropbacks. Yeah, he was under pressure. Yeah. I mean, you cannot, you can point the finger at Matt Ryan and say he has to be better, but it's sometimes, you know, it's easy to, I mean, not even easy, but, you know, you're pressured on 33% of your dropbacks. You're going to start feeling a little bit and being yeah. like, well, Christ, he's going to start making mistakes. Well, if you're if you're playing with a lead, you can you have a lot more options to do, like in terms of blitz packages and things like that, yeah. which is what the Falcons do, right? So if we're if we're winning, our defense plays better-ish, yeah, uh, better chance of takeaways, things like that. But like, if we're losing or if we're trailing in a game, we have a very hard time getting back into the game. So, yeah, and we don't have any turnovers turnovers, did we? Defensively, did we get any oh, turnovers? Oh, we forcing turnovers? No. no, no. That's not our team anymore. Yeah. I have a question. Hmm. Do you think there's going to be any tension between the Eagles fans coming in and the Falcons fans? Like, or do you think y'all will just be like, "Oh, hey, it's fine that you're in our stadium"? Or do you think? I think there'll be some. Be rowdy? I mean, when I was going to the Saints game last year, there was some good chirping. Do you think you'll get the same well, with the, the Eagles though? though? Yeah. Um, there could be fights. <laughs> tension. It doesn't have to be physical. Uh, yeah, it could be tension. I just hope it's not, not a thing where they take over the stadium. I mean, I think Falcons fan interest level right now is, I wouldn't say at an all-time low because we can't compare this to the 80s and 90s, but um, people aren't getting hyped around the Falcons. There isn't a lot of uh, fervor for this team like there is for United, for the Braves, um, hell, even for the Hawks, a losing team. I mean, that... that game we went to against Milwaukee. I mean, State Farm was almost sold out and people were going nuts. You know, the Braves game we went to uh, last Saturday, people were going apeshit. Um, United, every game, people are going apeshit. Falcons, it's just kind of like, we've seen this story before. Dan Quinn's saying, uh, you know, fast physical, Sam will do all the right things, then we come out and lay an egg and we're either mediocre or maybe a step above it, but we always got problems. Just, it's frustrating. I don't know what else to do at this point, especially considering we just extended Julio, Deion Jones, Grady Jarrett, Matt Ryan. I mean, we all know these guys are great players, and it's like, why can't you just put it together? I know we're only one season removed from going to the playoffs and winning a playoff series or a round, which is which is great, but ah, something we missing. shouldn't be playing like this. Something's missing. Also, it's just one week. It's also yeah, true. Absolutely. So we could be singing a different tune. Yeah. That's what I was saying. And of it's course, week one. Yeah. It's week one, and of course, the Falcons have made adjustments before, even though I said they never have in the history of their 50-year franchise. They don't know what that word even means. No, but they did play better, like we said, during the Super Bowl year after the week one. I mean, I thought we were going 6-10 and 10 that year. I think we beat the Packers at home on Sunday night after that loss to the Bucks. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe that was last year or two years ago. That was ago. two years ago. We did something. Point is, we did that. We did, yeah, we did do that. In a different oh, game. that was the first ever game at the Benz. Yeah. yeah. The great anus. The great anus. May she smile upon us yeah. in our time of need. What a terrible waste of $540 million on that roof, by you the way. You can't even tell it's open. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a pathetic of, thing. It's, it doesn't make any it sense. It doesn't make any difference. People were talking about that. They're like, oh, it's Sunday night is the roof. Who cares? The roof, it doesn't matter. It doesn't Especially matter. at night. There's no... It doesn't affect the game. Unless there's a tornado yeah. in, that's going to appear yeah, in the uh, middle of the game. It doesn't affect the game. Because during the day, you're going to get yeah. you're gonna get angles. It's going to be hotter. You know, angles of the sun on you. Yeah. But I feel like at night, maybe there is a difference for the people actually on the field, but... As a fan, I mean, I like having the first stadium with a pucker factor. (laughs) uh, 
besides that, that's all it's got. <laughs> that's, no, that's all it's got. That's yeah. all it's got. Besides the feat in engineering that it is. Yeah. Well, especially in the, like especially in the planning the planning phase. Why are they like, yep, that's as wide as it should open. That'll make a difference. That gives us your open air football, you assholes. That's so stupid. Each panel is going to move individually, individually on its own timing. So. Why don't you just have one that slides like the, and works? Like the damn, yeah, like a zipper. Uh, like, the Mar- like the Marlin Stadium. It's just one big-ass piece of mm-hmm. machinery yeah. that just goes... That's not sexy. It doesn't look good. Yeah. They've been making those since the 90s. They're, yeah. they're tried and true. Yeah. You know what that also doesn't cost? $400 million. Yeah. Graham and I could slap that together. Oh, yeah. Just right. some sheet metal. Just yeah. <laughs> roll that sucker. A couple yeah. tarps. Yeah, we finish that in like a, two weeks or something. Yeah. Not like... Three years. Yeah. I see Graham cutting his hand open. Some right. sheet metal. <laughs> just up there with some handheld scissors, just cutting sheet metal. Yeah, all, j- all janky. Yeah. Sounds fun. Talk about the shitty football team. Yeah, I'd be like, why are we doing this for these assholes? <laughs> they don't do anything for us. So, say so let's move on from the Falcons. Hopefully we can, you know, exercise these demons next weekend and uh, salvage the season. You go 0-2. You can still win at 0 2. You can, but it becomes a hell of a lot more difficult. It does, but I'm just saying. Especially considering that bloody schedule. And those. It doesn't get easier. You go to Indianapolis. Those damn that. Saints coming back to win. Oh, that sucked. That, that sucked was horse shit. So much. Like, what the hell were the Texans doing with their defense? I don't know. Putting. That was, some, that was some back. damn Quinn shit. That was damn Quinn shit. Yeah. Dropping back to prevent Everyone the knows that they don't Drew Brees is going to get at least 50 yards up the field. Well, you, well, you know. And two players are left. Also, yeah. you only need seven yards. Why are you dropping twenty yards back in coverage? You don't. You don't need to prevent a touchdown. I don't know. I that, guess they thought he might go uh, for it. It was, it was such it a good game, dumb. but it was such a bad end. That was infuriating. Like, oh my yeah. gosh! Watch, he just went down the field, scored that touchdown with thirty seconds left. Like for the Saints to, have, if they could have every Falcons fan heart. If they could have lost at home, that would have been huge for us. Well, it would have been a uh, complete loss on the. NFC South. NFC South side. Yeah. Yeah, for everyone. Now we got to play Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Whoa. All right, let's move on to happier times. Yes. Folks. Yes. Um, start by the Leon Braves, 91 and 56. In the NL East, as of this recording, nine and a half games up on Washington. I won't even mention the rest of the division because they all suck. And once again, we haven't lost a series since July, uh, 19 and 4 in our last 23 games. Um, took three or four from the Nationals, effectively burying them in the division. Eight game, uh, or, or magic numbers at eight. So uh, everything's looking up for this team. And we also got some good news recently that Nick Marcakis should return to the lineup tomorrow, if you're listening to this yes. tonight. Uh, so that's great news. Uh, we've missed him, although we have gone 30 and 13 without him. I think getting him back is going to be really big. Uh, for the morale and for the on-field production, it just makes your lineup better. So, I don't really know. Like we ran into this issue last weekend in the sense that there wasn't a lot to really pick apart with the Braves. I can think of a couple things, but you know, once again, despite some inconsistent offense, pitching staff's been so good overall uh, that doesn't really matter. And even though the bullpen's run into its share of a couple of hiccups here and there over the last week or so, we're still winning baseball games. We're still winning series, and we're beating quality opponents. Um, even though I know the Blue Jays aren't quality, but we took three or four from the Nationals, who were the best team in baseball since May 24th. Some arbitrary bullshit thing their social media folks came up with. Well, I think... Uh, now, that backfired on the Nationals there, with that little staff yeah, oh, yeah. they had. Totally. And, Did uh, we not already talk about this last week? No. I don't think so. Oh, because, yeah, that was just absurd. Like, 
but so fun as well. Like, because they, they've just gone downhill ever since that came out. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Braves just keep doing it over and over again in Philly, Washington, doesn't matter. Um, I just love these fan bases that thought they had the offseason one and forgot about playing actual games. I guess a couple of points of concern as we get closer to the playoffs, and I wouldn't say this is major concern or anything, but um, Mike Sorok has been a little shaky over his last couple starts. He's given up five home runs combined. Three came in that game against Washington that we lost on Sunday. Um, hasn't looked as sharp overall, leaving a lot of pitches out of the middle of the plate. Uh, 12 hits given up during that time frame as well. Um, of course, before then, he's been, you know, fine. So I think he's just going through a little bit of a hiccup here. I'm, I'm not going to start freaking out like I am about the Falcons. But it is worth noting, considering everyone else, I guess Max Fried had a rough start the other night, but everyone else over the last, you know, couple weeks has been just absolutely dealing. Dallas Keuchel, um, a, a sub-1 ERA in his last, what, four or five starts. He's yes, I know. I know you said he's great. So, are you going to eat your words about Keiko and and Tehran and Julio? I said I you said, didn't say anything on air. We talked in person. You said you needed to see one more start out of them, and they both yeah. pitched great against the Nationals. Yes. Do you trust them now? I just told you on the last show that Keiko's your game three starter. Oh, did we talk about that last show? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I, I told. I think you said I, I still just see Soroka, and that's it. I don't. I don't think we have any other starters I trust right now. What I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure I said that. Well, I'll set the record straight. Even last week, I was thinking Soroka, Freed, Keichel is my postseason rotation. That's what I feel in my heart of hearts. Yeah. But I think it's worth monitoring Soroka his next couple starts, seeing if that home run ball is still biting him. Because he was, he was hardly going up any home runs at all. And now it's just like five home runs just like that. Kind of catching up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's anything to be concerned about, though. I mean, these games we're playing right now are kind of weird too and like we're in a position where we're every game counts but we're also up nine and a half games I feel like it's not quite the same intensity that we're gonna see in October and I feel like it's what I like about a lot of our a lot of our pitchers is I feel that they step up in the biggest games so I, I'm not worried about Mike at all so yeah and uh in terms of atmosphere and fun we went to the game on Saturday night I haven't been to a game since July um and Man, people are into the Braves. Unprovoked tomahawk chops, random chants of Freddie Freeman, dun, 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 Freddie Freeman. And then Freddie got a hit on an 0 2 pitch, and everyone just went, <laughs> just freaked the fuck out. Um, beautiful, beautiful game, that, that Nationals game. That, and Joseph won as well. Yes, opposite yeah. side of the field of you, but yeah. yeah. Um, I hear they've got some stupid. Uh, so you guys were in those seats below, well, not below the chop house, but. Right near the chop house. Yes. Those, Not below the chop, but above the below the chop. Right. We were at, at the chop. middle chop. The middle chop. We're <laughs> yeah. in those fancy seats where they're not the really... The fancy chop. The fancy chop is where we were uh, we were sitting. Uh, Which were great seats, but unfortunately they put this, yeah, this drink uh, holder thing that, cool your that, that cools awesome. your drinks, but it spits out hot air onto your legs, so when it's 95 <laughs> degrees, that really sucks. Yeah. So I was standing up most of the game. But even then, the ones... Behind you are then spewing hot air from behind. So yeah, you're trapped your in this heat. Yeah. I'll never sit there again. Uh, what if it's October it's and it's October, cold? Yeah, it'd be but great. it's going to cost three hundred dollars. I would there, definitely so. still sit there again. I was just having problems. Well, that just seems like it's so great. unnecessary. Just yeah. drink your beer. Yeah, I mean it's cool, but it's also like, get a koozie. Just drink your beer at a reasonable if amount you of time, drink like, it at a slower than reasonable amount of rate. 
then that's on you. And B, that's just like a waste of energy in my eyes. Yeah. Unnecessary. Yeah. So that was that was the only downside of that night, other than Sean Newcomb walking free people in one inning. Uh, that, that, was, that was freaky. I have noticed Snit's gotten to the point where he pretty much solely trusts our three midseason acquisitions. Green Martin and Melanson. Yeah, which I'm not not seeing a bunch of Newcomb. Mm-mm. My boy Luke Jackson. Yeah, that crazy nut job that he is. He's kind of been not put in any high leverage situations. Yeah, um, I, poor AJ Minter with his seven ERA. He's a, he was officially placed on the sixty day DL today. Good, so he's never pitching again. Yeah, Excellent. so he's gone. They, they re- he was awful in that Phillies game the other night. Yeah, no, he's Tuesday. I don't know what's happened to him from. Such promise he had a couple of years ago, and even, even last year, first part of last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he. I, lo- I was looking at the stat line for um, our game three NLDS win last year, and I was like, I don't remember who actually pitched that game. No, I, I like blacked out during that game. N- I don't remember anything. Newcomb started. Yeah, he I went like that. three innings. Yeah, Ga- Gossman went a couple innings. Yeah, and then it was like Sabatka, Minter. Viscaino. Viscaino closed it. I remember that. Yeah. I remember I was yelling at Dodgers fans and screaming at Viscaino to finish it. It was just such a struggle, like such a grind to get through nine innings, whereas now I feel like we're not going to have to use seven pitchers no, to get and, through a game. And, and the thing that's that's great, too, is, um, you know, Darren O'Day returned. He's only pitched, I think, two-thirds of an inning so far. Um, he, he returned, actually, in the game we were at uh, on Saturday night. He walked pretty tough assignment after being out since uh, – June 2018, and then saying, oh, hey, Darren, your first batter you're facing is uh, MVP candidate Anthony Rendon. Fuck off. That was a little unfair. Yeah. So he walked him, unfortunately. Um, got the out the other night uh, when he came in against the Phillies. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what he does down the stretch, if he's actually being seriously considered for a role. Um, I think Mentor's last chance was that audition the other night on Tuesday when he blew up, and I don't even know why he was even considered at that point. To me, you only pitch Mentor in a blowout situation. I'm still kind of wonder about how Snit will use the bullpen in the playoffs. I think he clearly is going to go Martin, you know, Martin Green, Melanson. That's that's how we're going to roll. But if we have to need, if we need a guy in the sixth inning, who's your guy? Is my question. Or before that, if someone blows up, God forbid. Sean Newcomb, Luke Jackson, baby. Oh, mama. I, you know, Newcomb is just an enigma to me. He's like become lefty Luke Jackson. He's either walking everybody or blowing up or he's, you know, pretty lights out. And he's gone through a lot of stretches this year where he's scuffled, and I'm, I am—I don't trust him right now. As compared to when he started coming out of the pen, he was—he was—he was, he was, he was uh, awesome. He's had a rough stretch, but I trust Newcomb. I mean, he started this winning winning streak with his uh, fire extinguisher antics. Yeah, if it had been for him, we wouldn't have won uh, nineteen in the last twenty-three games. Exactly. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Marquez is coming back and what that does to the rest of the team. We've gotten a healthy dose of Matt Joyce. He's done excellent since starting um he's done excellent as a starter all year but since he's had to start a lot for Marquecas he hit like 350 he's hitting over 350 you know uh over 400 on base good slugging percentage as well um I know he's a left-hander but considering how well he's done I know he's only had 20 at-bats against lefties but he is in 300 against left-handed pitching uh I feel like and he's not in the lineup again tonight even though I know we're facing another lefty but I think he needs to be starting every day. I think that's your that's your starting left or right fielder. Even when Marquez comes back, Marquez can go to right field and go to left field. I don't really care. I know the plan is to use him in left field, at least according to Snicker. But Matt Joyce needs to be in the damn lineup every day. He's earned it. He's one of the big reasons. Hell, he just hit a home run off Scherzer on Sunday. I mean, he's one of the big reasons that we've had the success we've had. 
It's been a weird combination of guys. I mean, Matt Joyce has been a huge piece He's of that. He's been a consistent piece, though. I mean, you get stuff from Cervelli. You get stuff from Hetcheveria. Well, I'm talking about the outfield. The outfielders have all kind of, like, weirdly done their part. Like, yeah. had their couple games. Duvall carried us for a random five games. Five games yeah. um, Ortega's at his moment but he's clearly not the answer no. but i know I, I agree joyce has been like he's i mean and i think snit has shown over the last three weeks he's been playing pretty oh, sure. much pretty I mean, much every day the last couple games the last like three four games that seems like joyce's playing time is well I, they need to see what they have in austin riley for yeah. sure so i think that's why he's been plugged in a lot i don't understand why ortega keeps getting plugged in so much well i think ortega's defense is solid um and Matt Joyce's defense is not as, uh, you know, even though we'll get to Billy Hamilton in a second, but uh, I don't think Matt Joyce's defense. Yeah, I got is, some words about him. Yeah, I don't think Matt, Matt Joyce's defense is great or anything, but um, it's serviceable. It's serviceable, but I, I really want I really want him out there. Um, so I have a question about Nick Markakis's return. Markakis against left-handers this year has been awful, and yet Snicker refuses to platoon him in any way when he has been playing. He's at 239 uh, against lefties. 289 on base, 615 on base plus slugging. Terrible, terrible numbers. I like Marquegas as much as anybody, but why is the plan to why is the plan to play Marquegas every day, even against left-handers? If we had to face Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs, you really want Nick Marquegas facing him? The best left-handed pitcher in the game? Who else are you going to put in? you got two, two positions you got to fill. I want to make a case for Johan Camargo. Since he's come back from AAA, he's busted ass, and he's one. He is an amazing hitter against left-handers. He also just busted his shin. Did bone. he just get hurt? Yeah. Yeah, he, he did. He got out. He couldn't I, put weight on his leg. I know he's night. walking on crutches. I'm just saying before that moment happened. Right, but it happened before this podcast. He, did, so how he didn't he... fracture anything, right? Yeah, no, I, I think it's just he's just bad. He's supposed to. He's supposed to come back hopefully soon. It's not like he's Christian Yelich. I saw I'm just saying injury. he couldn't okay. put weight on his leg. Graham, yeah. sample sizes. We've seen Johan Camargo for five months be the worst baseball player in America. And now, all of a sudden, he comes back, has two good games, and you want him in for Nick Markakis. I'm saying, yeah, let him this, audition. Where was this? He's been auditioning until he fucking broke his shin bone. He didn't break nothing. Where was this when Adam Duvall was, uh, was coming in? What do you mean when Adam Duvall was coming in? What do you mean? You were saying how shitty he was, and then he did nothing but like hit bombs the first five games. Adam Duvall, yeah, he sucked since. Then. Yeah, but I, I see your point. Is, I'm, I'm trying to is, make a point. Is you weren't getting is on that, board the Adam Duvall. Yeah, Camargo was awful. Thank you. Yeah, he has like three good let's, games, let's, and you're like, oh, he's amazing, him, and then you did the opposite might, okay, with Duvall. I'll rephrase yeah. this. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, I would rather. It's a good point. Yeah, I, I would rather say, I would rather give Camargo every when he gets his knee fixed or whatever, every chance against left-handed pitching. Because if he's at his best against left-handed pitching, and you have a platoon of Marcakis against righties, Camargo at his best against lefties, that's that's good to me. That's really good if, if Camargo's got his head straight. Which I think going down to Gwinnett, he got his head straight. Like you said, Adam, he hit 590 down there and kicked no, ass. I mean, came back up here. No, I agree. He, he's, look, he's looked really good in his few games. He's yeah. been bad. I think the injury that he has and the amount of time that he's going to be off, he's going to have to warm back up again. Yes. And the question is, is that enough time for him to warm back up to be at his best Great when question. that comes? I don't know. I think he plays there. I just trust Nick Marquette. Yeah. I'm with you, actually. Especially with... I'm with you. Thanks, Joseph. Four Camargo, four left-handed pitchers, and only that. Sure. No. It's, <laughs> it's, it's Nick Marquette. Yeah. 
But Snicky all the say, way. He's he steady, is, Eddie. He is, Cakes he is, is steady. awful against left handers. He has the walks. He has the experience. He's a level head in the locker room. He's a leader. He's a he, he, he can still do all those he, things. Here's what you, here's, here's here's what you look up. Look what Nick Markakis did in the playoffs last year, and look yeah. what Johan Camargo did in the playoffs. Because I know Johan didn't get a hit. Both of them did nothing. Nick didn't right, get a single so hit. Why would you even have him in? They both were awful last year. The good news for Markakis is, is he's not burned out because he's had the last month and a half off. And apparently was lacing hits all over the field during batting practice uh, yesterday. So, I hope he comes in and it's like beginning of the year Marquecas and he's just hitting the shit out of the ball. Because um, he was having a decent year this year. It wasn't as good as last year, but he was certainly solid. did a very good job. Um, so, I, I'm not shitting on Marquecas at all. I'm just saying against left-handers, he's not very good. So, I just want to know. I just, I'm just, I question the decision-making of Snicker saying, oh, yeah, against left-handers, Marquecas is playing every day when he's proven over the course of the last couple of years in particular, that they cannot have left-handed pitching very well. Every that is magnified in the postseason. I don't expect that to just turn around. At the same time, yeah, if Camargo's out, what do you do? I don't know. I guess you've got to just roll with Joyce and, and, and Marquegas. But Because uh, I don't trust Austin Riley yet, even though he's come back and he had a big hit last night, uh, which was nice to see. But I'm still not seeing enough from him to the point where I'm like, yeah, Austin Riley should be making the, uh, the postseason roster. You know, no. no. Against top two pitching, no. pitching, he's not exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's that's the frustrating part is that man. I don't think we're ever gonna at least this year we're not gonna get the Austin Riley we got in June or anywhere close to it, which is disappointing. Which makes you wonder. Well, um, go ahead. I mean, he's a kid. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think it's disappointing. It, it takes a few I, I think years. It's amazing that he came up and did what he did. I mean, sure. you can't expect the kid to play amazing no, the not, whole year when he's just getting called up. No, we knew that level wasn't... Two-thirds of the way through the season. We knew that level wasn't sustainable. It's just, exactly. been, it's just been such a sharp drop-off. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It's been hitting, like, 350 with a 600 slugging percentage to, like, 150 with garbage rest of your stat line numbers. Plus side of all that is I think it pretty much ensures that we're going to make a huge run to re-sign Donaldson in the offseason. I think he got to. Yeah. I mean, he's has the second most home runs since, it's I think, like June... That. It's uh, it's crazy. Plays lights out defense. It's mm-hmm. defense. I mean, that catch he made last night to win the game. Was that was, that was just, awesome. He ran over to the dugout, leaned his glove over at the last second, snagged it. Yeah, that was nuts. Yeah, he made such great plays, um, such great defensive plays over the course of the season. Dansby had some great oh plays God, last that night. Play he had last night up the middle. Out, up the middle. Yeah. Yeah, that was beautiful. That was um, crazy. Even though Dansby's not quite hitting yet, it's welcome return for his his glove. Um, and I think he still has time to to put it together, which is which is a good thing. Billy Hamilton, Billy Hamilton, excuse me, who I thought was a shoe-in for the postseason roster after his first couple weeks, where he was getting big hits, he was playing good defense, he was stealing bases, kind of done a little bit of a 180 there. Not really hitting anymore. Getting picked off when he gets subbed into games, which I think is the biggest Mm -hmm. strike against him. And he's making, uh, he had a bad defensive play in center field of the game we went to. He had an adventure last night in center field. Even though he caught the ball, it's still like, Billy, what route are you taking to the ball right now? Um, I think he's definitely in the bubble. I thought he was. I mean, we said it a couple weeks ago. We thought, yeah, Billy Hellman is definitely in the postseason roster, but I can't see that right now. For a guy you're bringing in for speed, if he gets picked off, that's unforgivable. Exactly. I mean, he, like, he's changed a couple innings, like the outlooks of them, um, where we could have had like runners on first and second, nobody out, and then he gets picked off. Right. You just can't do that. Like, that's... It's the same thing when he missed that ball. It completely changed two runners in. Oh, and then the Saturday night game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, if 
much less comfortable situation than being up by like three or four runs or whatever we were up by. Right. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd rather have Austin Riley's power potential coming off the bench than right. Maybe he runs into one and it's a homer, right? Sort of thing. Yeah. Then Billy Hamilton hitting a weak pop up to short center, right? Uh, and then getting picked off when he comes into the game, right? Yeah. I gotta wonder too. Culberson, you gotta think is on the roster. Yeah. Yeah. Some people were pontificating. Oh, don't anyone try like, to talk no about way. Charlie? Yeah, Charlie's gotta be on. Charlie's yeah. gotta be on the roster. Um, I mean, there's a reason you go with these veterans over young guys. I mean, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, you gotta have that cool, like, level head. Yeah, I mean, he, he's done it in the playoffs with the Dodgers. He's also done very well for us this year. It's right. not yes. like a token handout, right? Um, Fulte, everybody. Fulte's making things interesting. He is making things interesting. Was excellent in his last start against the uh, Phillies. Seven innings strong. Seven strikeouts, uh, only one run given up, only three hits. In his last uh, five starts, he's gone 4.2 innings um, twice and sort of been battling the heat a little bit. But overall, I like what I'm seeing from Fulte. You just wonder about the endurance, which I think goes back to your point, Adam. If, if, if he's not included in your, in your rotation, uh, he's got to be a guy up bullpen. He's got to be a guy you lean on if he's, someone blows there's up. There's your sixth inning guy. Yeah, exactly. Does he make a case for the rotation, though? Can you trust him? Would you trust him? What is it today? September 12th, so he's probably got three to four more starts. Something like that. I mean, if he's going seven shutout for the next four, then he's your hot hand. Right. You go with your hot hand. You write it. I'll say that much. Yeah. Um, He did suck last year in the playoffs, but that was his first time being in the playoffs, and he's got that experience now, but... I don't know. You, you can't push. You can't push the big three right Soroka, now. Freed, or Keuchel. And yeah. You know where I stand on Julio. I think he's earned a lot this year. I think Julio's a guy you definitely got to have in the postseason uh, roster, for sure. Um, if anyone else question a, a starting three of Freed, Soroka, and uh, Keuchel, not necessarily in that order, but those are your postseason, NLDS at least, postseason starters. Those are our most consistent starters over, at least for Keuchel, his later starts, but uh, Freed and Soroka have been pretty consistent throughout the year. Um, yeah, minus Freed's yeah. sort of mid-season yeah. slump he had, but ever since he's come back off the DL, yeah. it's been very good. Somebody was writing, I, th- I think, in the AJC about um, how you want to go Soroka 1 okay. because if he blows up and we lose game 1, you want that veteran Keiko coming in immediately say for game 2. Yeah. Uh, instead of vice versa. You don't want Soroka having to come in if we're down 0-1 right. uh, in his first ever playoff start. Right, and feel the pressure. Right, so then you can kind of – because they will use four guys in the NLDS. I don't think you need to. That's – you do. You don't. The teams that win don't do that in the, in the, in the postseason, in the NLDS, for the most part. Unless they're really fucking confident and think they can do whatever the heck they want. And they don't need to rely on their best guy to pitch twice in a best of five series. So, I mean, that means you're bringing Soroka back on what, like? Three, four days rest. Three days rest. If you need to. I don't know, man. So if you have four starters, then what do you do? Julio's your fourth. I can't trust Julio Tehran. I cannot trust him. Blows up in the first Julio could pitch a no-hitter in the playoffs, and you still wouldn't trust him. No. He's had a much better season this year, but I know who Julio Tehran is. 
I know what if, what if he's the 2016 Julio Tehran, 2015, whenever he well, was an all-star? He's tonight. He's giving up five earned runs and three homers. I don't trust him. I do not trust him as far as I can throw him. You think also, power pitching wins in the postseason. I know Keiko's not a power pitcher, but he's proven that he can pitch in the playoffs. Julio, every time he gets to pitch in the playoffs, with the exception of garbage time mop-up duty last year, has been bad. And he's not a power pitcher. And unless you have pristine control, I do not want you starting in the postseason. Rich Hill's not a power pitcher. He wins in the playoffs. But he's got pristine control. Julio does not have pristine control. I mean, who, who would you put as the four if it's not Julio? Then? I guess I gotta go Volpe. Power pitching. I don't know about that. He's done well recently. He's going to pass out in the heat. He's like a Cinderella. He's, he's It'll be colder. It's October. In Atlanta? Is it yeah. going to be, though? Yeah. I don't know. It's September right now. We're still, we're still, still like 95 at 95 years. 100, yeah. That's a good point. I tell you, I feel more confident based off of... Uh, so you think he could keep his cool and he won't like start to freak out? He doesn't really freak out that much anymore. Well, anymore in like... As in he did last month. It hasn't been that long. Well, ever since his don't be a little bitch. He's uh, gotten better. Right, but I, I mean, you know, the playoffs is a different uh, different, different atmosphere. That's true. Different pressure. I just, and if he starts not locating, yeah, I, I know. Just feel it, could, like it could get he, bad. He could melt down it could get bad. more than Julio can Tehran's have gonna, someone hit him and, and keep his cool. And he can keep his cool, game. but he's also got to give up, you know, homers and walk everyone inside. I don't know. I, feel like, I think I'd go Julio over, over I'd, I'd go, I'd go faulty. If I'm doing four guys, although I know I bet Snickers gonna be victory presence, blah blah blah. I think there's a lot to be said for that. You can't just arbitrarily say that though. When the stuff, it's not arbitrary. It it's is arbitrary proven. when the when the stuff that Fulty is is slinging has been excellent recently. Overall, even if he's not going, <laughs> he just went seven. Requires so many. Recently, recently, overall, overall, for the most part, slinging. He has been really what good. We just it? said he was doing really good. Sick of, sick of this Julio <laughs> Tehran haters out there. Respect the man for what he's done. For I us. respect. He's done. He's had a very good season overall. I'm just saying we're not. The, we're not in the playoffs. nine and a half games up. If, if it weren't no, for Julio Tehran, but in the playoffs, I, I trust the power of pitching. Unless you had great. What do you know about playoff baseball, Graham? Washington. When's the last time you've been to the playoffs and won anything? I don't know anything. I watch playoff baseball every year. And generally, the guys who win the World Series have some power pitching. Everyone has power pitching now. We usually yeah, don't have a lot of power pitching. Eight miles an hour. I mean, we do now. Yeah. We have guys, you know, Freed can get it up there. I'm not saying he's a Everyone supreme power pitcher. Everyone can get pitcher. it up there. You can't be in the main No, I mean, Keiko's not a power pitcher. and he's, got, he's had a ton of success over his career. I'm just saying that helps win in the playoffs when you got someone who can control it and also, you know, up it to 97, 98 miles an hour. Which faulty when he's on can do that. It just depends on if he's on. Sure. Like I said, he's got three, four more starts. Let's see what he does. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anything's settled right now. I think we've entered the podcasting season where every single week we debate the playoff roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we should come up with our. It's it's going to happen every week because you're going to see different performances and it's going to get closer to the playoffs. So it's going to come down to the wire on. Who those people are going to be. And you're going to have Graham do a hot take over the last six innings that somebody pitched and say that they need to start over. I struck out a home run. He can't start playing one of those damn playoffs. Somebody else that is. What's the what's the home run per nine for? Yeah, what's the uh, what's 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 what's, yeah, what's, what's, what's faulty? What's faulty's x fip? Yeah. Oh, 227. Jesus God. 
You just need to trade them all. Uh, who's in AAA still that oh, we could bring up? That we could call up. We haven't pitched in the last three yeah, weeks. It'll be interesting to see what happens down the stretch. It it's be. very exciting, though. The fact that we're debating on who should be in the rotation, who's going to be on the roster. Yeah, the fact we have options is great. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, last year it was just like, oh, God. Uh, it's got to be know. these guys. Full team yeah. and then whatever. Yeah, yeah Spare exactly. parts. Yeah. And now, and then, yeah, like you were just mentioning, all those guys who were in the bullpen last year who pitched for us are gone. Replaced mm-hmm. by much even Newcomb, even though he has this issue, they'd rather Sean Newcomb be in the bullpen than any of those guys. Oh, it's right. light years better. Or Luke Jackson, and then you got and damn. Well, we'd be remiss if we didn't miss mention damn Chris Martin last night throwing an immaculate inning, mm-hmm. painting the corner with ninety five on the black to end it. Uh, perfect inning, nine pitches, nine strikes, striking out the side. Unbelievable. And then Flowers threw the ball into the stands, not realizing what happened. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy that I think that they said that he was like the hundredth guy to ever do that in Major League history. Yeah, something like that. That seems crazy to me. It seems like that should happen more often, but well, it's, mm-hmm. it's very rare. I mean, I think the last time the Braves did it, they said it was Buddy Carlisle in like '07 or something like Buddy that. Buddy Carlisle. I was going to say, what's the most random Braves name you can come That's up for in one. the last ten years? Horatio Ramirez is another. That's one. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say him or John Thompson. Oh, John Thompson. That's a good one. He was our Game 4 starter against the Astros. Mm. Oh, in Game uh, in 2005. Yep. Don't remind me about that one. Yeah, that was a rough one. <sighs> the Braves have had five immaculate innings, I think, over the, over the, the course of Braves the history. franchise, wow. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. But yeah, when you got Martin Green, Melanson on the back half, feeling pretty good. It's um, Melanson. Whatever. I've hear, heard you butcher his day. What one is it? To it. Melanson. That's what I said, Melanson. No. You're saying Melanson. 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 Melanson, whatever. Melanson. People say Waldrop, Waldrop, whatever. You, you just said the same thing. The same thing. <laughs> whatever. Let's move on. Get away from my uh, mental handicap here. End of the show. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, Adam, uh, we can talk about the next thing we can discuss. There's a team we have ignored for so long. Atlanta United. Dun, dun, dun. Soccer team. I think we mentioned them about a month ago, and we're like, "Ah, oh, that damn Joseph Martinez shouldn't be stutter stepping when he's kicking that like, damn already, penalty kick." Why are they playing cups? They need to be playing the season. Yeah, these yeah. cups are bullshit. I, I, I don't care who you are. How many championships can you have throughout a year? They've won what four championships in the course of three hundred sixty-five days. It's three. At you, one championship, you just have to play one game, and it's a championship. Yeah, it's pretty. You haven't that's played any true. other teams the that's rest of the time. Champion. Very, that's very false. You're a champion. You're that's a champion. You're a champion. That's not. It's the problem with kids words. these days. Tell us what the rules are then, soccer experts. All these narrow-minded Americans over here. Right. <laughs> what, what do we have? One playoff. <laughs> yeah. You need to have at least three or four yeah. spread throughout your season to make your life harder. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Oh, it makes sense. It shows who's consistently good throughout the season instead of just, like, who has the high hand at the end. Yeah, it's bragging rights. Well, how – so it also gets to showcase your younger players with, with – mm-hmm. uh, But d- just don't call it a championship. They're called cups. They're called cups. That's what they you – win, you win trophies. Like, yeah. they're winning hardware. It's not like – so do like the six-year-olds up at Medlock Park, as, where as everyone gets a participation. This is a participation trophy, is what no, it is. No, they won. Did you notice that the team that didn't win didn't win shit? They got a lump of coal <laughs> up their ass. It'd be like if I organized a pickup softball game right now and was like, "Let's just go play at that abandoned high school up the road for me." 
and I've got trophies for the winners. Just because you have a trophy doesn't mean you actually accomplished anything. Well, they beat a team like in that Campiones yeah. Cup. That was that was a pretty big deal, seemingly. I mean, they were. You both, guys tell me. They were both big deals. I mean, the Campiones Cup was proving that you can run with the big boys, kind of. You know what I mean? So like, you you played against some of the best players in the world, which isn't are not in the United States. Yeah. And to be able to not only play with them but beat them, that was a big deal. It was a really big deal, and it shows that, it shows that it shows that United was like is up there, and they have really talented players. Let's be real, the MLS is no like shining shining like a lighthouse at the end for for soccer. <laughs> right? We're we're middling right throughout uh, the pantheon of leagues that are around the world. How many soccer leagues are there? Way too many. It, yeah. yeah, a lot. How do you, can you keep track of Ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah. No one knows. Well, right now the Premier League is the yeah. best. Okay. They've been the best. <laughs> they, they've been the best for probably what, like, the last decade, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, we're we're in the middle, and it's nice to see that we can also win against people that are a tier above us, right? Uh, Atlanta United's been consistently good throughout its entire uh, career here in Atlanta. Three years. Three years. Three years. So it's a great three years, yeah. consistent winning. And okay. uh, and it was the first MLS team to ever win the Campiones Cup. So the MLS has been around for the ML the MLS been around for a while. Yeah, but the Campiones Cup's only been around for like two or three years, right? Has it? I don't know. Uh, I thought it'd been around longer. You guys aren't soccer. Lanzo dropping soccer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, I th- I don't think it's been two or three years. But and then they won the U.S. Open Cup, which is you know you could call that a bullshit cup if you want, but it is multiple games. It's not like they just met the one time and played. Plus, we got to make, you know... Yeah, there's only been two campaigns. We got to make Portland really sad. <laughs> I get the idea of playing against the greater talent and yeah. kind of proving yourself against it that you can, but I, I just struggle saying we, we got all these championships. Championship is sacred. But then you Championship can be... doesn't happen in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Not true. No one deserves it. That's not true. Exactly. If the, if the teams that have been here since the 60s can't win one. Regardless of the Cups, Atlanta United is doing really well. Uh, they started off the season, everybody was doom and gloom, classic Atlanta fans. We weren't doing very well. We were calling for the head of our coach, who's new in town, Frank DeVore. And then all of a sudden, they turned it around, and they started looking like them old selves. So they've been doing pretty good. Not just like our old selves, we've been playing a very defensive style game. We've had how many clean sheets? It's like somewhere around 13 Yeah, or 13 so. or something. Please define clean sheets. I don't know. A clean sheet. Like, come on, no, no goals. A clean oh, sheet okay. is equivalent yeah. to a perfect. So anytime you see, you, anytime you okay, see okay, them go over at the end of a game and, and nail one of the golden spikes in at the end, no. it means they got a clean yeah. sheet. Oh. Yeah. Okay. You might well, not. Don't come on me. <laughs> you soccer <laughs> expert over there. There's a reason why neither one of us is supposed to talk during this. Sorry. I was supposed to. Don't come on me. So, so the last time. <laughs> Did you not realize I was trying not to laugh? So hard. You have clean sheets in case. You said don't come on me. You. You said to Adam, you said don't come on me. Oh. <laughs> I didn't realize. Don't come on Oh, Christ. Yeah. All right, Graham and I'll keep quiet for yeah. Much like the Braves, and I'll try to. Give some, uh, give some. Remember, Joseph, at work, whenever you have to explain here. something to me, you gotta draw it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta draw it out. I don't have a whiteboard here, unfortunately. Damn. So you can't see any of that. But uh, much like the Braves, we've picked up a few people along the along this season, uh, specifically Miram and uh, Pogba. 
Uh, Pogba hasn't played quite as much as Miram has, but uh, Miram's been basically like uh, Melanson. Uh, <laughs> I understand that. Just <laughs> consistently playing well on the left side. Uh, Gressel has been lights out this whole year. He's actually leading in terms of like uh, assists to a specific striker. He's actually leading the league with six to Joseph. Uh, yeah, he's, they've had a really solid connection this whole year. Uh, Miram's starting to build a good connection with uh, with Pity, and uh, as you saw with well, you of course didn't see, but there, I watched some games. Yeah, there was uh, which, which it was during one of those cup games. Yeah, things, oh, though, I so one I don't those, think you watched it. One of those quote unquote yeah. championship games. One of those participation trophies <laughs> that you get throughout the season. That rec league game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Miram had a nice pass uh, right in the center. Pity just smashed it in. Uh, and Miram's not natural on the left side. Yeah. He's not naturally left-footed, and he just kicked with his left foot right into the center. Perfect pass. Insane. Yeah. For mm-hmm. somebody playing with their non-dominant foot on their non-dominant side is just... Think about that. You're throwing with your right hand when you're left-handed and just a bullet to the home plate. Yeah. Didn't we lose that... Uh, there was that white uh, hippie guy with dreads. Didn't he get hurt for the Brett season? Shea. yeah. Thank God oh, he got Shea's. hurt. I, even I know he's not very good. <laughs> so... I feel bad for the kid. I think he's from here, too. But yeah. uh, he was not doing well. He had some and problems earlier in the season. He started turning around he right did. before he got injured. He did. But, uh, but man, he couldn't cross in to save his life. Yeah. He was struggling out there. I have a question for the soccer experts. Uh, Pity Martinez. Yes. Lots of hype around him. Seems like the Best board... player in South America. What you got? Yes. Um, best player in the continent. Seems like the board hasn't given him a fair enough shake from the games I've seen. Like so, he's, he's not playing like all the time, like you would expect someone who's the best player in his continent to do. Scoring goals and getting assists aren't everything in soccer. But so, I'm saying the playing time. Playing time is. Where, where is that coming from? So he kind of is competing with another one of our super subs, Vialba, right? Where, right. Uh, Vialba hasn't really been playing. He's been injured for a bit. Yes. Um, so Pity's been slowly getting a little bit more time, uh, a little bit more playing time. But uh, Pity's not a Joseph Martinez type of player. He's not going to be scoring forty or forty nine percent or fifty five percent of our goals this year. Uh, he's not going to be that type of guy. Sure. Um, he's generally like a outside the box scorer, uh, somebody that's going to be uh, building up towards the towards the box. So towards where the goalie is. Got it. I understand. I know. Okay. No, that's fair. <laughs> I should be treated like an idiot. Go ahead. So, yeah, I I mean, he's been doing his job. He was serviceable earlier on. He had uh, a few mistakes throughout throughout games uh, earlier on, but this has really started to turn it around. Um, Yeah, I I have a feeling he's going to have a strong showing in the postseason and later into the season as well. Yeah, I'm excited to see him play more because he – we were expecting a lot of really big things from him, and I think he's starting to show glimpses with the shots he's hitting yeah. from outside the perimeter of the box. It's mm-hmm. just it's pretty incredible, and he draws a lot of attention too, which is good because you can get it into other people. So I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah. Well, on the back line, though, Miles Robinson. Uh, uh, he's he's been amazing. His value. Uh, you don't look at any of this stuff, but it's basically like baseball player reference transfer mm-hmm. markets uh, has. His value jumping up nine times what his value was at the beginning of the season. Ooh, what does he play? He plays he's center back. Yeah. So okay. he's he's right uh, right before the goalie. Uh, he manages to just stop any ball that's coming in. Any heavy cross comes in, just boxes out the striker. 
uh, is really solid defensive play. He's tall. He's physical. He plays really good, yeah. really good ball. See a Frank DeBoer guy came in with DeBoer. He is actually a draft pick. Yes, oh. yeah. draft pick. So drafted next to Gressel, I believe. Yes, uh, same year. So he's been in. Uh, he was loaned out to the Columbus Crew. Uh, played in Atlanta United two uh, last season and had. I think he was probably in reserves for Atlanta United for a little bit last year, but uh, had his big coming out party this this year uh, and just been playing lights out the yeah. whole time. He's had some great saves on the line too, which have mm-hmm. been incredible. Like Guzan's gotten caught off his line and Miles Robinson will just kick the ball out of there and you're like, how did he even do that to get on the line and do that? It's it's pretty incredible. His his awareness he's gotten caught a couple times, uh, in recent games I've noticed kind of people getting behind him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he'll get better at that as he as he gets more seasoned and, yeah. you know, that doesn't do any harm to how amazing he's been yeah. the whole season. But uh yeah, he's 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 a big talent. He's got a lot of good things to come, I think. So, Atlanta United's won seven of their last eight matches, including the participation championships. Um, what is the... Yeah, but the one they lost was not the one you need to lose. Yeah. True. The one against The Philly, one against right? Philly was big because yeah. we were tied for first place. Losing that game put us in second, and this upcoming game against the Columbus Crew is, is huge, huge, huge um, for staying in that race. Right. So, what, what's been the key overall, though? I know you said playing better defense, but has that been... You know, something that DeBoer has instilled, or is that something that the team has just adjust? Like, where does it come from? Why, why have we gotten better? Is it just because of the defense, or is is the team coming together under DeBoer, or is it a combination of things? Or help explain to the layman why United is good again when everybody thought we sucked. Sure. So we can go back in time uh, a little bit to talk about Tata. So Tata's philosophy on on soccer is very much a counterattack style. So very aggressive with all around. We had a lot of speed uh, in the midfield yeah. uh, and any attacking that as well. So uh, we still have some of that as well uh, where we can counterattack effectively, but it's less, we, we don't rely on that quite as much as we used to. It always felt like a suicide mission to me Yes, with the team last year or in the year before that. It was like, just try to score mm-hmm. sort of thing. That's yeah. what I can tell. So DeBoer likes to build from the back a lot more. So we, we pass along the back to lure the defense out a bit further so we have a bit more spacing when we, uh, when we attack. Um, it, what that allows us to do, it kind of allows uh, a little bit more of control in terms of time of possession for the ball. It allows us to get better scoring chances than kind of like a rush to the goal. Mm. Uh, Joseph is still really solid either way. So he can score if you're doing a counterattack. He can score yes. if you're if he's just standing in the box. He still has 18 goals in the season yeah. and is in the running for being the, the golden boot again. So th- this style isn't hurting him at all. It's not hurting the team at all. I think just going – I think it was just a shock and the adjustment of the team kind of shocked fans because mm-hmm. no one plays like Tata. Even with having an offensively-minded team, no one plays in that kind of positioning. Yeah. It's very unique to the way he coaches – and, I mean, you don't see that anywhere in the MLS or whatever league, no matter how offensively minded you are. No one plays like that. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's also kind of a culture shock, too, for DeBoer. So, yes. Uh, with our other players, they have very specific styles of practice that DeBoer had to get used to mm-hmm. at the beginning that he was kind of resistant against, but uh, acquiesced later on. Uh, 
Yeah, so in, in terms of team chemistry between the coach and the players, it's definitely improved yeah, over the years. Yeah, it's all kind of melding together now. That's like, it, I think there was resistance between on both sides yeah. of, like, how, like Joseph said, like, how, how the, the culture and how people practiced and kind of a more relaxed culture versus, I think, DeBoer was a lot stricter from what mm-hmm. I'd heard from a lot of the players. Yeah. So I think that hopefully now the chemistry is better. I hope, you know, hopefully they found a middle ground and yeah. it seems like they're all doing a lot better, which can only help your team because you don't see the frustration frustration from Joseph or pity that you did earlier in the season and rescoring even with the defense being more of a, a mindset than it was before. So, I mean, Joseph has scored 13 goals in a row. I don't know if he scored any last week, but he he's went on like a consecutive streak that was insane again, and he's up for like the record of most goals ever in the MLS. So, I mean, he, you know, we're, we're still killing it. There's no, no worries, no issues. Plus seven teams get into the playoffs from the division anyway, so when, when it's is, not like you got to be the top two to get in. Right. But I mean, it'd be nice. But it's not. I'm not really worried about like making the playoffs when as is United the, fan. Uh, when is the playoffs? It's October. Or it's near the end of the year, right? Yeah, it's it's near the end of the year. I want to say it's like late October. Early yeah, we still have a lot October, of soccer left before. Yes, we do. Are, things are decided in terms of playoff seating. Yes, things like that. and but we, this was a good timing for us to get an update in. For sure. Yeah. And about the midway, midway-ish. I mean, this allows us to keep that Atlanta United emblem. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you can keep it on the logo. We said now. we've talked about it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you, you, is that our participation trophy? Yes, yes. it is. <laughs> this is our Campione's Cup. Please take these two empty bottles of beer. <laughs> All right. Recycle them at your local uh At your local center. Target. Your local Target. <laughs> Target in Edgewood. Yeah, but it's it'll be good. It'll be interesting to see what we do in the playoffs again this year. If we could defend the cup, that'd be really cool, and I feel like we have a good chance to do that. So, so optimism should be prime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think you're you're up there. You can beat any team. And you know. Qu- question I had: Fuck the Red Bulls. That's, that's it. Are, are, are you taking this Frank DeBoer team or the Tata Martino team? I think we're a lot more well well rounded with our DeBoer team than yeah, Tata. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think we were an offensive powerhouse last year uh, that we aren't quite anymore. But uh, then again, uh, I don't even think we'd be beating where LAFC is this year. They have been just on an absolute tear. Yeah, they've been crazy. Like yeah, somewhere on like seventy goals this year so far, which it's nuts. For reference, we're at like fifty. Or yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Are, are soccer balls juiced? Soccer balls are juiced. They're definitely yeah. juiced. Getting that nitrogen air instead yeah. of, yeah, or, or helium air instead of uh, oxygen, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's. Uh, I, I think at, it, overall, we are a much more well-rounded team. We're a lot better defensively, significantly better defensively. Uh, in the postseason last year, we just had a, like, uh, and defensively, we're just out of our, playing out of our minds. That was yes. not expected. that that was not how yeah. we played during the season. Yeah. It was very unexpected to see yeah. that kind of defensive play in the playoffs, which and was amazing. Been, yeah, we've been playing defensively at that quality throughout the season this year. Um, so I I have high hopes this year. If we if we play a little bit better offensively, that'd be nice. But um, but yeah, I, I have high hopes that we're we're going to make a deep run in the playoffs again. Same. One more question for you, uh, Brad Guzan. Mm-hmm. How many more? How much longer do we have him for? Contract wise, yeah. uh, 
a few more years. Is he just loaned? To, is he loaned to us or no? No, no we no. we we have him signed yeah. for a couple more years. Yeah, but the question the question is also around: Is he going to regress? Uh, goalies mm-hmm. generally tend to, tend to stay around a little bit longer. They don't have to run as much, fortunately. So um, it's really up to his knees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think he's really had any significant injuries like that. No, I don't think so. So He could be around for a while longer. Yeah. I mean, we, we have him for the next couple of years at yeah. least, if not longer. I mean, he's shown no sign of regressing. So, I mean, I'd, I'd keep him around as long as he possibly so can. So Alec Cam's probably not getting in anytime soon. I know he was in the goal for one of those yeah. participation trophies. And he, he was for the U.S. Well. Open yes. Cup. He played well, but he also gave a bad goal. Yeah, yeah he got caught. He got caught off his line when he shouldn't have and mm. let in a pretty yeah. easy goal. But um, probably not. I mean, unless unless Guzan gets hurt for some reason. But Alex is a great guy to have as a backup, and you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel bad if he came in you know like if if guzan got hurt he wouldn't come in and i go oh my god alec like he can't save a ball to save his life you know i'd be like oh, okay yeah like let's see him play like he can keep us in the game and block some balls so. yeah yeah i think we have enough talent around uh, around the goalkeepers to kind of keep us in games so yes uh, unlike some parts sometimes in last year where guzan had to kind of stand on his head to uh to get us out of games kicking and screaming essentially with how many shots on goal there were but uh but yeah no i guzan should be around for a few more years he i don't think he's gonna really injure himself too much hopefully he's very aggressive when he comes he when, is when he comes especially balls. when he gets fired up yeah. if he gets fired up he'll start running out for stuff that i'm yeah. like hold on <laughs> and he hasn't killed escobar this year either so yeah that's, nice. that's good that is yeah. nice He's injured our own players multiple yes, times. Yes, that yes, reference yes. means nothing to me. Yeah, like, <laughs> Escobar. So what does he do? He, uh, <laughs> Pablo. So when a goalie eh? comes out to okay. like, catch the ball, when it's like it's yes. essentially like a pop up, right? Right. Nobody calls for it, right? Everybody tries uh, to go for it. Yeah. So Guzan runs out full speed, puts his hands up, elbows Escobar in the head, uh, yeah. and drops mm. it. It's one of our defensive players, right? Jesus yeah. Yeah, and then he did it again after. He yeah, came he's back. done it a couple. Same game. <laughs> no, no, no. After Escobar came back from being injured, he uh, then hit him in the head Escobar again. Learned his lesson. Well, I mean, you're all going for the ball. Yeah, it's not sure. you're not looking. You're looking at the ball. Yeah. So it's the same reason people collide when they have headers and stuff. Yeah. You're not looking at the other person's head. Yeah. So if you're both going for the ball and your heads lock together, yeah, it's very painful. I mean, I tried to head a ball once in soccer, and I used the crown of my head Ooh. completely, like a moron. And uh, well, I was like ten or eleven or something. Still that's what I said. Yeah, <laughs> like like a. Maybe that explains a lot about where you're I just am going now. through a participation trophy. I was, yeah. I was just you know, it was PE, I believe, at uh, old Shamrock Middle School, on that big ass field, and the ball went up there. And I was like, oh, you hurt it. yourself in PE, and I was like, sure, and I was like, ow. I mean, it was it wasn't even like a soccer game. No, it was like a, just a PE game. Yeah. I was trying to be a. a it, badass. it wasn't even a participation trophy on the line. Then. No, there was yeah. nothing on the line except just being the dumbass, and I succeeded. In that, but that's that, was, a, that was not the goal. That's a story. That is a great story. When you did that back in what two thousand one, one or so, yeah. do you think that you figured that you would be telling that story on a podcast in two thousand nineteen? No, there was no. I had no idea what a hell a podcast would even be. Or oh, that's true. There were no podcasts back then. This is a very nascent uh, media Seriously. form, if you will. That was the joke. Sure. <laughs> you gotta throw out your big vocabulary words. Is there anything else, Adam? The interview with uh, intern Jared? Yeah, I think it's time to bring intern Jared in. Okay. 
and maybe another special segment as well. Oh yeah, and then of course our uh, long-awaited return of a segment that's been dormant for some time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we bring in. Uh, is he our current intern, Adam, or is he a former intern? I don't even remember. Uh, definitely guy. former. Okay, intern. I haven't seen him in a while. Former current. Yeah, it's like uh, this is a guest guest appearance. Wow. Yeah, in honor of the, uh, again, didn't even know it. in honor of the one hundredth episode of the show, we bring in our former intern. intern. I thought this was the ninety seventh. <laughs> You're refired if we uh, hire <laughs> you after this. Uh, bringing in our, our former intern Jared, and uh, also known as intern Jared. Also known as intern Jared. He's the guy over the years that you've heard uh, curse at us for. Uh, you know, we, we blamed him for not bringing in liquor or beer, and then he says, all I've done for you, go F yourselves, or something like that. That was funny, like episode, I don't know, 44, like two years ago. Anyway, uh, he's been a valuable contributor, one might say. Some might say he wasn't. He was also on that big uh, Super Bowl preview show when it was Philly versus New England, uh, which was quite fun. Uh, and he's back joining us tonight. So, welcome back, Jared, to the show. Thank you, Graham. How are you? I'm, I'm well, sir. I'm well. Um... I'm sure you're feeling good after your, your precious Patriots. Uh, I don't even know what they did. They stomped the shit out of the Steelers, and Tom Brady looks like he's 21 years old again. Feeling very good. Yeah. Very good about the team. I mean, if, if we're starting there, I just have never seen them that sharp right out of the gate Jesus before. I know no one wants to hear this. No one wants to hear this. But generally, this, the narrative with the team is like, it's the first five or six weeks of when they're like figuring it out, and it's a mess. And one could say that's what the Steelers were going through week one, so it might not mean that much. But to come out that precise is I've never seen that before. So that makes me feel optimistic. But it's week one, so I don't. Want a lot right on this year. You guys have a lot to prove. I know, I know, exactly. Pretty, pretty shit franchise. Forty-two. He's got, he's got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Jared, before we get too deep into the Patriots, I want to know about you a little bit. Okay. So where have your endeavors taken you since you left this, well, really, a, I mean, we fired you, but you pretty much abandoned us with constantly being late. Yeah. And I'm bringing the liquor in. I'm yeah. bringing the liquor and being a Patriot fan. Yeah. Uh, a lot of strikes against you. So <laughs> what'd you do with the experience that you got in this fine studio? Uh, what you been up to since you left here? Well, there was a patch of hard times after I was laid off. From Atlanta Zone, uh, I pursued a lawsuit. It didn't really gain any traction. Well, I don't think we have a mailing address. So. That <laughs> was part of the problem. And as you know, I'm not good at finding out addresses or anything online. So, one of my weaknesses for sure. And so that lawsuit never really went anywhere. So then it was, um, I was Ubering for a while and uh, kind of scraping by week to week. And sure. I still enjoyed I, – I would kind of lie to people and I would tell them that I was still an intern at Atlanta Zone. And their face was always kind of confused but, like, optimistic maybe. And they kind of was – I felt like I was part of the now culture, you know. I was like I'm on a podcast. and Sure, sure. Part of the zeitgeist. And, you know, I just I, – I miss being able to see, say that truthfully, but I still say it, yeah. So no, you, one hold that, no one holds that against you. No, thank you. No. You might have just answered my second question then. I was going to ask why you haven't used us as a reference for any of your job endeavors, but it sounds like there really haven't been many. I honestly saw this as a burned bridge when I left and the way that I left. And I also have serious concerns that um, if someone was to call for a reference, they might be – you might be intoxicated Mm. uh, when – if they were to pick up the phone and – 
I also don't know if you have any... How can you uh, be intoxicated when you forget the liquor and the beer? <laughs> that's true. That's true. But I figured with me not being there, you guys could have figured that out on your own. But I don't it's know. It's hard. It's hard. We need an intern to survive. Yeah. It's been very difficult. See how much weight we've lost? I mean, I'm available, so I'm still around, but I don't want to come crawling on my belly, but I, I will if, if that gets me back. Yeah, we, we, were, we had intern Katie for like One a week. week. Yeah. I might have fired her the same night I hired her. It's entirely possible. Um, has that been it? I think so. Intern Lauren. Intern Lauren. Also fired. Also hated two weeks. sports. Yeah. Didn't really work out. We, yeah. we hired the worst people for interns. Yeah. Either people that aren't into sports are, are fans of the worst possible sports team you can be a fan of. Yeah, we got to work on that. Huh? Yeah. It sounds like you run a really tight ship here. Very, very. We've made a lot of informed, so proud to be on critical decisions. Well, intern Jared. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm going to turn back to you here. Okay. You think it's a coincidence? That our listenership has tripled since you left the show? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think a lot of people are tuning in to see if I'm coming back. Ooh. I think that's what's going on here. Well, if that's the case, then it should like quadruple for this episode. That's a good point, intern Jared. You've learned a lot in your time away. Thank you. I've had a lot of time to reflect. I'm proud of you. The streets have taught him many things. Yeah. Also, I think him telling that he telling people that he was an intern still on Atlanta's own as he was out and about, I probably, he had all this extra free time to tell yeah, other people. He's giving all this free promotion. Sales guy from his heart. No, of he course, didn't even know yeah. it. Sales guy Jared. Sales guy Jared. He's been promoted. Yeah, he's been promoted. He let him go, and all he did was promote you. Yes. So was he really fired? Really? Has this all just been a trick? It's a shadow intern. Yeah, it's been one big ruse. This is a big test for you, Jared. You passed. Congratulations. Oh, Welcome man. back. You're back. Oh, You're back. Oh, it feels so All right, we got good. intern Jared. Uh, Current intern Jared in studio slash here. Slash sales guy. Oh. All right, intern Jared, let's hear about your I stupid... I thought I was walking into an ambush. Thing. No, no, you're back, you're back. You you passed the test with flying colors. Um, I think Joseph's got a question for uh, I, intern Jared. Yeah, uh, so are you a, a natural-born Patriots fan, or are you an immigrant Patriots fan? Great question. Uh, natural-born. So I was born and raised in Maine, and um, I have just fell in love with NFL football very early on. My first memory of it was actually a Patriots and Seahawks game. And I like the Seahawks uniforms. Like that's, I must have been four or five. Was, was that the? Uh, I was about to say, was that the? Was that the four Super Bowl you guys won when we started <laughs> watching? <laughs> you know, this is. I can't. I don't even know who might have been coaching at the time, but I just became obsessed with Patriots football, and they were consistent heartbreakers. They had one really great year in, I think it was '97, where we got to the Super Bowl and lost to Green Bay, and uh, I, there were there, I, there were so many games that we just lost. We had Drew Bledsoe for years, mm-hmm. who was a very solid quarterback in a lot of rights, but he just really was a choker and, and, as my mom would say, a bum. So he just was – he couldn't really rise to the occasion. So I would always tell people that I was, like, a really big fan, huge fan, before they ever found, like, great success. And I always got annoyed with the bandwagon fandom that occurred after the – St. Louis Rams Super Bowl in 2001, which is a, one of the greatest Super Bowls of all time, I mm-hmm. think. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's one way to answer it is lifelong born into it Pats fan. My father, before I was born, was a big Pats fan and um, kind of got it through him. So, so uh, just this is like the only chance I'll be able to talk with a Patriots fan. Uh, what's it like having a consistently winning team for almost 20 years now? Uh, I don't, we don't know what that means. We yeah. don't have a concept of it. And not just winning, but like winning championships. Championships, yes. yeah. That's the big thing. Yeah. 
the Braves didn't have a good run there, but they only won one championship. It's it's interesting, and I've started to notice it as it's like now that it's approaching twenty years, like you say, it's almost like it's like a two chapter book now, where there's like the the early years from like two thousand one to two thousand nine, where we were in five Super Bowls and lost two of them. I might be wrong on the years there, but so that was like chapter one. And then there's a whole other section where it's like Seahawks. We don't have to know. talk about that. Other no, one. there's another one in there. Um, that so no. it, 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 it has been crazy um, to have so much success, but there's there's really no way to say what I'm about to say without just being disgusting. But um, there's just a very obnoxious uh, amount of entitlement in the fan base that gets sickening and it's like we'll have like a bad week or a bad game and nobody is concerned and everyone's already talking about the playoffs what are we going to do when we get to the playoffs who do we need to worry about when we get there and it has made me miss again people are going to hate me saying this but it has made me miss those seasons where you don't know everything's a question every game is intensely important and it's just the fan base has grown so lazy from the success. We have a special call coming in right now. Oh, okay. Who, 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 may, who might it be? Is this uh, Mark Andre? Hey, guys. Mark here. Oh, my God. Mark Andre, our, our, our former kidnapper, uh, guy who lent us uh, equipment, and uh, also brought in somebody, uh, I believe Miss Cheryl Pounder, who taught us about fine wines and how to apply them to Atlanta sports. One of the best episodes, I have to say. Yes. Hello, Mark. How we doing, Mark? Welcome to the show. Good, good. Congratulations on the the big one hundred. Uh, we we appreciate that. We've been, you know we've been putting in a lot of work, and it just means so much to finally get here. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of money, a lot of time, effort, heart, unlike the Falcons. Mm. You, you Unnecessary got... low blow. I know. I, I... <laughs> to your own team. <laughs> I know. Uh, Why would you do that? Anyways, Mark, what's going on tonight? You got any uh, questions for us? Yeah, I just had a quick question for you. I want to know if you would accept the following trade. Mm. Uh, scenario number one, Braves hang on, win the division, make it to the playoffs. They win a dramatic NLDS, game five, bottom of the ninth. Walk off home run, Josh Donaldson, umbrellas everywhere. Ooh, make it out of the first, make it out of the first round for the first time since the pre Raphael for call era. Okay, they go on to the NLDS against the Dodgers. Exciting back and forth series. Uh, end up having a dramatic game seven, Julio, Julio Tehran versus Kershaw matchup. Jesus God, uh, <laughs> we're doomed. Fre- Freddie, Freddie Freeman gets a. a th- Third inning solo home run off of Kershaw. Crowd goes wild. Fifth inning, questionable missed third strike call with two outs. Keeps the inning alive for the Dodgers. Blue pit scores two runs. Both pitchers go on to pitch complete game. The Dodgers win. Go on to the World Series. And that's how the Braves season ends. So that's scenario number one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me just recap that real quick. Uh, a lot of exciting okay. games. We win a series. Josh Donaldson, Umbrella. Julio Tehran duels with Kershaw. We lose on a questionable call. Yes. In the NLCS. NLCS. Got it. Okay. Scenario two. Uh, would you trade that for the Falcons going 1-15 this year? 
series recently. They won an NFC championship. They should have won the fucking Super Bowl. They they had their chance. Maybe they'll get it back, but they had their chance. I would trade anything to see the Braves win a playoff series, almost. So yes, absolutely, unequivocally, 100%. Of the same. I, I mean, intern Jared, you can chime in wherever you want to here. Um, but we were saying earlier on the Falcons segment, this team just takes it out of me already. Week one, I'm already depressed. And the Braves are the complete opposite of that. This umbrella celebration, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And I just want deep October baseball. Nothing like, like every it. Like, you know how much w- better work is going to be for an entire month knowing you're going to come home and watch game one of the NLCS? Freak out. Come on. Yeah. That means we already freaked out right. for clinching. Won. Yes. For the in first time games. since 2001. Five games. Five games. Yes. Yeah, you need to five, go to, in five games. Five. Yeah. So, great scenario, but I, I think that's a no-brainer. Yeah, I think it's a no-brainer too. Not a hard, uh, not a hard question. Yeah, this is I see it as a win-win because the Falcons are in this mediocre, just on the edge of playoff berth, mm-hmm. just on the edge of diving off a cliff. Let's just dive off a cliff. Yeah. Either we win it all or we dive off a cliff. Sure. Pick one, right? Okay. Because if we do that, you get your Dan Quinn gone. Yeah. You get your, gone. you get your, basically all the head coaches or our right. coaches are gonna have some serious talking to or get fired. Uh, we're going to have to think about our players, our contracts, things like that, in a completely different light. It's a new leaf for the Falcons. Sure. So a question I would have is, um, is the worst-case scenario then for the Falcons, if they go 9-7 and seven and miss the playoffs in the wild-card slot, is that then like maybe arguably the worst thing that would happen because that's almost not a fail enough to get people fired? Probably, I imagine Arthur Blank would give Dan Quinn one more shot if that happened. Just knowing, so. knowing Arthur, yeah. I don't know, man. I feel That's like nuts to me. I don't know. Once he fires but, all of his coordinators, like he did this year, yeah. That's pretty much. He's literally there, there's no one else to blame, yeah. except Dan Quinn. I agree. I'm just saying, I know Arthur. But Blank. yeah, nine and seven though. Yeah, uh, it'd be tough, especially. You go seven and nine. That's a different story. Usually, yeah. coaches get like five, six years before they're fired. Some do. Unless, unless you're completely awful. It depends on the organization. It does, but I feel like unless you're completely awful, like the Dolphins are going to be this year or something like that, firing your coach after only happening for like three years is... Well, this is, this is, is what? This fourth or fifth year? This is year... Is it three? No, it's only year one. This is year... 2015 five. is his first year, right? Year five? I think. Yeah, two years with Shanahan, two years with Sark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With Cutter. yeah, this is five. Yeah, so he's, he's year. in that range, though. Yeah. So he could, even on a okay issue, I feel like he could... Yeah, I'm not shot. saying I'm not saying you couldn't. I, I, would, I wouldn't say you couldn't, but I also say that knowing Arthur Blank, I don't think he'd do it. I don't think that's bad Why? enough to do it. Because I don't think that's bad enough to do it. Because you got to consider who you're going to bring. Was he like best friends with Dan Quinn? No, I'm just saying who you're going to bring in. That he won a championship or not? Well, sure. Well, well here's what else you got to think. Uncle Arthur's getting up there in the years. Yeah. Does he have it in him to do a rebuild? Exactly. That's that a good too. question. I don't think so. I don't think so. So he, that's what I was going to ask you guys. Especially when you've said, extended all these players. Yeah. Right. So you said that was an easy question with the 1 in 15 versus the playoffs. But yeah. are you really ready to go through that rebuild if you go 1 in 15, have to redo everyone's contracts, trade people away, I, I mean, become to, like the we, Miami Dolphins? We don't have to trade everybody away or um, redo You go 1 in 15, you think you're just going to stick with the same players? I'm not saying you stick with the same players, but it's not like you're just going to trade Grady Jarrett and Julio and Matt Ryan away. I mean, that'd be. 
I mean, the dumbest thing you could possibly do. You might. Well, would you? Because if you had the same people, if you had the same, Arthur, I, if you had the same quote unquote good, how are you going to bring? How would you bring in good players, quote unquote, if you just keep all your good players? You can't just like give them your trash so much and expect. There would be. Yeah. yeah. If, so, if you you can't just give people your trash and expect to get good players for them, so you have to trade away some of your good players. You could. Like, I'm not, I'm, have to be gone. I don't think Julio. I think so. You could trade somebody. One in fifteen. I trade DeAndre's. Well, who are you going to get for DeAndre's? He's one of the best linebackers in the league. You could get a, a nice return. You get a second and third round pick for Deion Jones. That'll fix everything. Yeah. That would help. That's what I'm saying, though. <laughs> that would help. You could, you could get rid of Sanu. You get rid of Sanu, yeah. Yeah, that would that'd be a good... Anyone who's old, would you, could, you could get rid of. Yeah. Or older. So would you like... Who would be your absolute have to keep in that situation? Matt Ryan, Grady Jarrett. Julio. Julio Jones. That'd be rough to go through, even for trading up for a playoff. It would thing. suck, yeah, but that'd be that'd be hard. The Braves also have a very bright future. They do, and and something we have a great farm system, a great general manager. I still don't think we have a great ownership, but I will say that I feel a hell of a lot better about the forecast for the Braves than I do for the Falcons, hands down. Our front office did their job this year, though, right? Falcons? No, no, the Braves. Yes, like, they yeah, did. they did their job. That's yeah. that's all we can ask. Yeah, like like I said last week, uh, what's his name? Anthopolis. Well, Anthopolis went out and made the moves he had to do to make this team a contender. This yeah. team's the second best team in the National League record wise. They could wind up in the home field advantage in the damn playoffs. I know. I'm reminding you about complaining about it the I know, entire I, year. Yeah, and I wasn't happy, but they made the moves they had to do and then shut my ass up. So whatever, I'll eat crow. I won't say I'm right all the time. So, how would the Falcons lose 15 games? I think that's the real question here. Yeah. You, we, we went into so much detail about how <laughs> we would have soaring highs to crushing lows. Uh, it's not really a crushing low, but... Uh, People would have to get injured again, like Braves, last year. Yeah. A lot of injuries. Like, Matt Ryan would have to get hurt. Julio would have to get yeah. hurt. Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones are hurt. If we then had, you go 1-15. If we had a 1-15 season without injuries... Then, then yeah, if that happens, then, yeah, blow it up. Trade everybody, because clearly this doesn't work anymore. Like, if there's no injuries. But I would anticipate, like, that's a foregone yeah. conclusion. Oh, yeah, yeah. There would be injuries if you're 1-15 with that amount of talent on your team. What the hell do I know? So I feel like we were getting into something with intern Jared. I can't remember. About the Patriots before Mark andre called. Oh, oh yes, Good yes. Word. Everyone loves the Patriots. No, so, I, so I, the Patriots podcast, right? No, I, I had somewhere to go. It always links back to Atlanta sports. Don't you worry. All right. Man. Don't you worry. Do you remember what you were talking about? The other day? Or just now? Just now. <laughs> just now. <laughs> Shit. The other day is definitely relevant. We were talking about... Uh, Joseph has, doesn't drink, so he should remember. <laughs> yes, we were talking about the uh, the growing uh, expectations oh, of your team to the right. point where you don't even need to care about the season. The, oh, yeah, and, yeah, you were yeah, you were talking about everyone's already jumping. How you feel dead it's, on the inside? It really it can get just really annoying of just the way people just assume success all the time, and then when they're just as a little bit short of perfection, there's this kind of like is this lack of passion that really can get bothersome. And again, it kind of makes me strangely like hungry for those seasons down the road, which are not far away for this franchise, where we're just another team. And just trying to stay above five hundred, maybe win the division if we can swing it. Like I think, I I kind of look forward to that time in a way. I, although I will miss this dynasty because I, I don't think the league's going to see anything like it again. But um, I'll, I'll be I think I'll be at peace in my fandom when it gets back to that 
just a normal team, just trying to make it work. I'm kind of excited about it. So what you're saying is like you're an executive at like a factory, and you've worked That's your way exactly up. What he's saying. You've worked, <laughs> you've worked your way up, and now you're just up here looking down on everyone. But you kind of miss the grind of the floor, of working the machines. Yeah, I miss. And, and we're on the floor, boys. Sure, we're always on the floor. <laughs> we're splayed out on the floor like a damn bear bearskin pelt. <laughs> well, I remember, like, because when 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 the Falcons were in the Super Bowl. Like in the weeks leading up, or the two weeks leading up to the game, I just remember the buzz in the city. Yeah. And I was, because I had recent, fairly recently moved here, and I was getting to the point of like, Jesus, am I am I going to pull for the Falcons in this game? Because it just would be, so it was just, that level of excitement just isn't in New England anymore because it's just so commonplace. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool to be in a place that was so excited buy it and i do think you guys will have a ring within three years i still believe that the falcons i do yeah oh man i don't know man i don't agree with that <laughs> maybe though maybe i mean talk to me after, maybe after also, this game sunday yeah, if, if we beat the eagles like 42 nothing i'd be like super bowl now baby <laughs> <laughs> i'm curious too with how significant is the whole home field advantage for the falcons oh it's it's negligible you know, for really? the dome so? it was different for the dome was different i, I was hmm. talking about that the other day yes the, the Dome had better prices and more uh, fervor in its crowd now because of the PSLs. A lot of the, the common man has been priced out. Uh, there's no single-game tickets unless you do the NFL tickets. You keep going to those PSLs. Everyone has PSLs, though. Yeah, everyone. Literally every single yeah, but, Well, no. In a city of... Most, most teams do, teams but there's still plenty that don't. In a city of almost 6 million, we should be able to find 70,000 people. So why aren't we... a Season ticket holders. All three, me, Joseph, and Adam are not season ticket holders, but yeah, we, I'd say we're pretty big Falcons. Well, it outpriced us. Yeah. But there should be other people that could afford we're, it. We're not the target demographic for PSLs, though. No. That's the problem, is the common fan doesn't, I mean, they can make enough money to get a PSL, but should they do it when they have other things they have to consider? Right. You have to pay for the right to buy the seat and then pay for the seat, and that's frankly un American. I mean, it's absolute bullshit. Is it un-American or is it the most American it's, it's thing? It's really ever? common in college too. Like Michigan yeah. Stadium, right? I, like my uncle has a PSL for Michigan, uh, a seat up in Michigan. It's yeah. Thousands of dollars yeah. to get a seat, and it's still a lot of money to even purchase a ticket. They're still stacked every right. game, even if they're winning or losing. I guess it's, it's just not enough. We don't yeah, have well. we don't have that like crazy. Well, we don't have Midwest fans either, so there's no, there's other things to do in Atlanta. Yeah, that's that, that's the other problem. Yeah, yeah. Like Minnesota, that's all the gap. Yeah. Um, you know, and Boston's just like a rabid sports town. They've had tons of championships. I guarantee, if we had won that fucking Super Bowl, we'd have sold out PSLs. Yep. That really hurt. That hurt a lot of people. Yeah, Graham. Deep to the yeah. core. The way we lost is, I think, the worst part. Yeah. That. Going down in history as, as like the biggest choke artist in the history of American <laughs> professional sports. It is really the most Atlanta thing. It is. It is the most but, true to Atlanta thing I've ever seen. This is a no Super Bowl talk zone. And we reference the Super Bowl at least once every like five or six shows. That's the way it is. <laughs> That's true. It's ingrained in our hearts. We're so far beyond it now. We're not. It's twenty nineteen. If we were, we wouldn't have lost the way we did in the Vikings. I don't think I don't think the players on that on this team are thinking about the Super Bowl. It could have a subconscious effect. Who knows? Anyway, beating this into the ground made it really depressing. 
what a way to, to celebrate, to 100. celebrate 100 years. I mean, 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> to celebrate 60 years of sports futility in a city of Atlanta. Intern, we're not done yet. Intern Jared actually did have an interesting question the other day that I wanted to get your reaction to. So I really, well, I want to preface it by saying I really wish I was able to watch the Falcons and the Vikings game myself and have my own eyes on it. But I wanted to say that with week one and everything, who knows. But if the season goes poorly, I think we would all agree poor is not making the playoffs. Would you want... Josh McDaniels instead of Dan Quinn as a head coach. Josh McDaniels is a guy, I feel like, of low character. Because he had that job, who was it, with the Colts? And then he backdoored them at the last second. Left him at the altar. Yeah, I don't like that. That reminds me of some Bobby Petrino shit, so I don't want him based off that. And I was going to say, the the Bobby Petrino thing is just, cuts too deep in Atlanta. Yeah, that's like up there with the Mike Vick dogfighting. It's not up there, but it's like, it's almost like a... It's a residual effect of it. Right. It's like, we already had the Mike Vick dogfighting scandal. You have this by Petrino come in. Arthur Blank asks him after a tough season, that's not Petrino's fault. Like, are you my coach? He shakes his hand and says, yes, sir, I am. And then he leaves like two weeks later. Yeah, I think Arthur Blank would never hire Josh McDaniels right. just for that. Yeah. And also, Josh McDaniels isn't an uh, overrated defensive coordinator like Mike Smith or Dan Quinn. So. Um. Has yeah. to fit that mold. That's the guy that Arthur Blank clearly likes. But it's not necessarily the Patriot piece, though, right? No. The fact, yeah. No, I don't think it's anything about the Patriots. We, we would hire an ex-Patriot. Oh, coach. totally. Yeah. I just don't think this is the character issue. Yeah. yeah, it's totally a character thing to me. I don't think it has anything to do with the Patriots stuff. We definitely take a former Patriots coach. Although they don't have great track records. You know, Romeo Cornell, Patricia looks like he's not going to last in Detroit, potentially. Detroit. Chews up and spits out everyone. That's, that's true. Right. It's not really his fault. But I'm just saying, it's like it's not like Bill people, O'Brien. Bill O'Brien has success. done well overall. He's the, he's the exception to the rule, I suppose. But, yeah, I don't want McDaniels just because he like immediately reminds me of Petrino just because of that move. Well, here's a question for you, intern, Jared. Do you think that Bill Belichick needs to prove himself outside of Tom Brady and New England? Like, what if he's like, eh, I'm kind of bored with this. I think I'm going to go down to Atlanta for a year, see if I can win a Super Bowl with Matt Ryan. No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I really like. I was hearing this narrative that like people like Skip Bayless are spinning that there's all this jealousy between Brady and Belichick, and they're trying to prove that they can do it without the other. I I think that's all complete nonsense. And I think he has an organization that has he has not complete control over. He is under Robert Kraft's control, but like I don't know. I think he's in just the perfect environment for his own success. And he's been through so many different teams, whether it's at coordinator or head coach in Cleveland and different places. And he's seen so many dysfunctional organizations going back like 40 years. This guy's been coaching in the league. Like, I think he, I mean, maybe after Brady retires, maybe he would. I think I see him retiring in New England, meaning Belichick. But I don't know. I don't, if he left, I don't think it would be to prove that he can do it elsewhere. It's just so against his character. He doesn't care about that sort of stuff, I don't think. I don't need to prove anything. Yeah. That's what's in the past in the past. You know. He is hilarious. Like, the things yeah. that he doesn't... So deadpan. Well, oh. like, what, what was it, like... I think it was the Antonio Brown stuff when he was still in Oakland, and he was acting like he had never heard of any of that before. He is... He. I was listening to his interview on Boston Sports Radio with these, like, three guys, and they were saying, like, asking about the Antonio Brown trade. It had just become official, so they had him, and they were asking about it. 
and he was just like, uh, we had people on the team that we think are going to help us succeed. That's why we had people on the team. <laughs> and he's and they're like, but you know, is he's difficult. He's just we had him because he thought he was going to help the team. That's what we do with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like a, it's funny and it's deadpan and it's ridiculous, but there is an amount of genius in oh, it yeah. that undercuts all the merit narrative that the media is trying to project. Right. He just kind of goes like, well, what are you even asking me about? We're adding a player that yeah. we think is going to improve the team, and that's what we do with every decision we make about adding a player. There's a brutal simplicity to Belichick. I wonder if that bleeds into his coaching, too, where the the Tomlin type of issue that he had with the Steelers, where people are having different treatment at different tiers yeah. in the team, right? With yeah. Roethlisberger. Well, I think he treats everybody the same. Yeah, I think Belichick carries that type of even-tempered tone and that same level of expectation across – Across yeah. the players, so that Tom Brady or yeah. fourth string linebacker, yeah, you're all knocked down to the same peg, right? Um, I do have a Falcons question, though. Okay, do you guys think the Falcons would have more success if they were in the AFC? You mean like the shitty division that the Patriots, Patriots are not in? necessarily the East, which I do think is, I mean, it's often terrible, but it's it's not quite as bad as everyone says. But because I think the problem, one of the problems <laughs> the Falcons have is I think the NFC is just so dense, and there are so many solid to decent teams. Yeah, it's volatile, too. Like, any team could come out and go on a streak and go to the playoffs. Sure. Excluding the Buccaneers. But, yeah, excluding the Buccaneers. They always suck. Yeah. But, um, yeah, other than that, and, you know, you got a couple of teams out there, like the Lions are perennially pretty bad now. But, yeah, the NFC is – yeah, I think the Falcons would probably have a little bit more success, particularly in AFC South, for sure. I wouldn't want to change it though. I wouldn't want to change it either. I kind of like where it you is. You got your rivalries now. Yeah, can't get away from you gotta hit the Saints and the Panthers and just say, "Yeah, Bucks get out of here." That'd be kind of fun though. Once every five years, they just switch it up, switch the divisions up just for that one year. Yeah, it's like it's like wild card year. Sure, that's it. That. That's like an amazing idea. Like just one, like two teams trade, but they're in the same geographical region. Yeah. Like we switch with the so cool. we, we switch, switch with Jacksonville. Jacksonville. That'd be great. Yeah. Jacksonville could get beat up on by the Saints, please. <laughs> yeah. That'd be phenomenal. Yeah, that'd be fun with that. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Someone should look into that. Something sure. something positive came yeah. out of this yeah, out of this discussion. Hundredth episode. Yeah. Cool. Well, well I wanted to say uh congratulations in all sincerity on hundred episodes. Very exciting. Looking forward to hundred more. And, uh, yeah, Thanks. happy to be back. Yeah, welcome back to the Atlanta uh, Zone family. Officially hired. On, uh, the 2000th episode of the Atlanta Zone. How are you assholes doing? Who, who's our sponsor today? <laughs> Still Miller High Life. Oh, Jesus. All right, we welcome back to the show after a very, very long hiatus where she was deeply missed. Miss Veronica, who was responsible for Veronica's sports puns, a very popular segment in the uh, early days of the show, and we thought it would be uh, quite fitting to bring her back for one of her patented Veronica sports pun segments. Thanks for having me. Of course. Our pleasure. <laughs> yes. It was weird to be back after so long. Yeah, last time you, we, we had a different, you were in the original studio. Yeah, the original Adam Kowal studio. I was. We've, I, we've I, moved up. We I two mics. Of, yeah, I thought about... Uh, Saying we should just go to the abandoned eight seventy and just do it there. Ooh, that would be fun. Everybody's floor. That'd be fun. <laughs> well, um, I did a, a little bit of a step up from my usual single pun. Oh, mama! I know. A I treat. was 
I was That's watching, uh, Adam and I were watching <laughs> Dave Chappelle yesterday, and if he can do an hour of stand-up at our tabernacle, I can do not one, not two, but three sports puns Damn. for wow. the 100th episode. Wow. This is a true honor. All right. I'm really bringing it today. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to... You wanna... Jump right in. Yeah, there's a reason why these ended, right? Because <laughs> you didn't want to do them anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're so they're so bad. Okay, all right. <laughs> let's just let's do this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so earlier this week, or two weeks ago, I don't even remember. I realized in our household we weren't watching baseball anymore just baseball anymore we were watching football right yes sir i remember that (laughs) which i i'm not a huge fan of football season i feel like it takes up a lot of time on the weekends and i was getting a little upset with adam for just you know watching so much football and he was obviously watching the falcons right i mean land of professional sports i have right so i yeah i mean fair (laughs) (laughs) And at one point, I was so upset that I just said, well, if you like watching the Falcons so much, why don't you put a wing on it? Oh. <laughs> like a ring. You got it. <laughs> and they're burns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good start. So many layers, so many meanings. That, that was preseason football, by the way. Forgot to mention that Oh, was part. it? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Whatever the hell it was. Yeah. I'm not That's ready. Even worse. That makes it even worse for you, though, because it's preseason. Like, he's rather, you'd rather watch some shitty uh, fourth-string linebacker miss a tackle than, than spend time with you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Put a wing good. on it. Yeah. Well... That went off better than I thought. I was going to start slow and then get better, but maybe I should have reversed that. Okay, let's move on to the Braves. So, do you remember? I actually, I do remember this, and I think I've gotten better about sports after listening to your podcast, Um, but do you remember when Ronald was benched because he was watching the fly ball thinking it was going to be a home run, and then it was like in poor, poor, I don't know, ethics? Sportsmanship. Sportsmanship, yes. (laughs) I think you're referring to when Ronald Acuna thought he had hit a home run and wasn't running, but then it hit the top of the wall. Yeah. That's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) So what did he say when he was benched? Um I should not look up. I don't know. I'm so bad at trying to figure out what... He said, Acuna Matata. No worries. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I like how I'm talking about like the wall, something with the wall. That's clearly... I don't know if that one's a pun, dear. Acuna? Matata. Matata? His name? Yeah, that's definitely a pun. I guess it's a pun. Every time you all debate what a pun is, I'm the pun expert. That's why you bring me here. I think put a wing on it was definitely a pun. No, Acuna Matata. Matata. It's definitely a pun. Because it's not a Kuna Matata? Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ready for the last one? Yes. 
Moving on to Atlanta United. I'm mm. hitting them all today. Oh, was that is that bad? No. Is that a bad way to end no, on? No, we, we talked to the United. We talked about United. United. Yeah, so yeah. this is good. Okay. Um, a point of clarification before I get into this. So Brad Gusan sure. is the goalie. Correct. How's he doing so far? He's having a good season. Yeah, according to uh, IT guy Joseph and Alexa, he's been pretty good this year. <laughs> All right, so pretty successful. Yeah. So some might say he's pretty goal-oriented. Yeah. yeah. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a little reverse. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> So this is why Dave Chappelle has three nights of stand-up to see what lands, and then he gets to re-record it. Right. So you, then you I'm mean, not going to do that. I'm going to stick to my guns. Goal-oriented is a damn good pun. The problem is Guzan's trying to prevent goals. So maybe if it were a But score... he has to orient himself around it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's oh. protecting it. I like it more now. Yeah. So you got to think on these. You gotta I got highbrow, p- highbrow puns. Yeah, Come to my right. level. Yeah. That's all I got. Did I miss a sport? Uh, the Hawks. Oh, shit. Um. John Collins, Trey Young. I got nothing. I totally forgot about the Hawks. It's okay. Most people do. <laughs> well, we appreciate You can you. put a wing on them, too, actually. Good. You can just apply the same thing you just put on the Hawks. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, an applause. That was great. No, thank you for, for coming back on the show. We, <laughs> I, I mean this. I like really enjoy this so much. I missed it quite a lot, quite a bit. Well, it was awesome. Thank you. It was my honor, and I'll come back for and the 200th. our listens will go way up yep. because people want to listen to you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. All right, well... I think that's going to conclude this extra long episode of Atlanta Zone. We want to um, sincerely thank all our guests, um, Joseph, Alexa, uh, Veronica, Jared, Mark Andre calling in as well. Uh, all contributed to the show over the years. We really appreciate them stopping by for the, this big episode here. And we want to thank all of you out there who have listened to the show and uh, keep us doing this thing. We, we, uh, it means a lot. So uh, we hope that we can... Uh, you know, bring something fun to the Atlanta sports scene, and uh, we really enjoy doing the show, and we really are happy that, that people seem to be listening and enjoying it, and um, we want to keep doing it for as long as you'll, you you want to listen to it. So thank you out there uh, for listening to it, and big thanks, of course, to Adam for being an awesome, uh, awesome co-host to my co-host, and uh, this has been a hell of a lot of fun, and I hope we do it for as long as uh, as we feel like we should. I don't know what else to say. It's been a, it's, this is this is really uh, something I look forward to every week, and it's, it's always a good time. Graham, thanks for uh, bringing some credibility to the show. Uh, I would just be blathering fake stats and making things up and talking about the good old days all the time if it weren't for you and actually having a computer and knowing how to edit things. The, the internet's always the, helpful. The internet. Um, you know, having horrible takes on Johan Camargo versus Nick Marcakis. So, I always keeps it interesting. I right? greatly appreciate that and yeah. uh, can't wait to see how your emotions spiral over the next four to five months with the Falcons. With the Falcons. Yeah. So, look forward to that and uh, keep it rolling.
Yeah, sounds good. Everyone, thanks again out there for listening. Uh, rise up, chop on, stand brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitominous sip. Hospitominous sip. <laughs>